art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Emerald City Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is not an episode of the New Release Wall. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I am Russ and this is Zach. Hello! I, I just got splashed by Bushmills. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, because I have... <laughs> oh, it was Lovac. Oh, we are having a... Uh, <laughs> an Irish battle here between the Protestants and the Catholics. Even though the distiller, the head distiller at Bushmills is actually a Catholic, so uh, the uh, uh, the troubles are over. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> uh, I have been to the Bushmills uh, distillery. Yes, that angers me greatly. Not not that you've been, but like that right, I right. not yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to try to. I will not remember this, but I will try to remember that 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 uh, the the cover for this episode should be the photo I took. Do you remember this? Uh, when, I don't know. when I was in Ireland, so you know we were doing the Krypton set visit. Yeah. They decided they'd take us around to a bunch of places, and uh, they brought us to the Bushmills Distillery. And when as we were pulling up after like forty minutes outside of Belfast, we're in this bus, and as we're pulling up, it had been raining the whole time, and there's this giant rainbow that alighted and the end of the rainbow was the Bushmills distillery. <laughs> and I just took a photo. Cause I'm like, okay, I can't not have that. <laughs> I don't even think I, when you did that, I don't think I was yet a full fledged Bushmills fan. Like I, I used to be a, I used to be like Jameson's my thing. And yeah. then my, my, uh, my dear friend, uh, Sarah, um, uh, basically yelled at me because I was drinking yeah. a, uh, <laughs> A Catholic one. <laughs> um, even though we're both ex-Catholics, uh, but so, she yelled at me that I was not drinking a um, a northern Northern Irish because she's Northern Irish, um, or just Irish. They would probably say. Um, <laughs> so I have a, a couple of mugs here, and as I as I kind of alluded to, I have two Crisis on Infinite Earths mugs. Uh, this one here, which I had printed, that says, "I survived the end of the multiverse" with the comic book. Dot com logo and the CBS logo. Uh, I made these for me and the other people who all cover the CBS shows or the uh, CW shows. And this is full of coffee. Yes. And then this one here, that's just the crisis uh, poster. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, about two thirds full of Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I, um, for my birthday, which was a little while ago, I got uh, these, uh, which obviously the people nice. at home can't see. Uh, but my aunt gave me, <laughs> which, I, like, which I always love. I think we all know, like, as an adult, when your family, like, has kind of like, what the, what the fuck? We can't just give him money. He always needs <laughs> money because he's always broke. He's a journalist. Um, but, like, so we have to give gifts. And it's like, what is Zach like? I like, ah, he, he likes things like that entertainment thing so like briefly i liked doctor who like i still like doctor who but like briefly that was a thing and i have all these right. doctor who things like i have a doctor who yahtzee which nice. i at some point we should really like do like once the quarantine if it ever yeah. actually ends and we can be in human you know in person like we should start because we have we have like a bunch of these games like you have the blockbuster game and then yeah like, i have the jane so silent bob monopoly yeah oh, oh shit yeah um but yeah she gave me a um even though I, like 
I think it's been like probably four years since I've taken a shot out of anything, like because I just don't drink alcohol that way. Yeah. But she gave me is uh, they have like I actually love that they even have uh, Cambot nice. <laughs> and Tom Servo and Crow and uh, uh, so it's a set of four which I I thoroughly love. Um, and it goes along with my we brought MST3K back weird thing that I don't know quite what it is um it's the i mean it's a planet but it's but i don't know quite know what it is because yeah, i feel can't like it's a coffee it. mug but yeah you, there's no yeah you, you definitely I mean, it would be a very bad coffee mug because the inside is also not like really but uh yeah anyway that's that's what's next to my thing anyway welcome welcome to russ and zach's describe oh, the room around us <laughs> <laughs> there's also a dog over here <laughs> hey i don't know who he is no i'm kidding <laughs> how you doing He's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Who is Zach talking to? <laughs> and why uh, is Nico to bed? Anyway, <laughs> so what is what is the movie we're watching today? Today are we uh, we watched today, Russ? Uh, we're gonna be talking about Fletch. <laughs> now, Fletch. now, right off the bat, uh, have you uh, rewatched it for this? No, or are you just going? Like, I figured because no. I, I I've a, seen I it a, a million times. Yeah. <laughs> I am a casual fan um, of it. Uh, like I used to be actually like a really before we even knew each other, like I was a big <laughs> fan of Fl- the Fletch series. Um, but uh, I haven't since I have not seen it in a couple years. Like I think it was on something. It was probably on like TBS or some shit. And uh, I probably watched it then. But uh, so I had to rewatch it. And uh, uh, yeah, even though um, the like Chevy, Ch- a lot of Chevy Chase movies have been diluted to some level because yeah. of Chevy Chase and <laughs> 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 being Chevy Chase. And uh, I still, I still really dug it, um, which that that's the, you know, the short review. Yeah. I mean, uh, so here's the thing. It's funny because uh, when you think about like uh, Harrison Ford, there's always that thing where he kind of hates star Wars and hates being saddled with star Wars. And he's like, no, Indiana Jones is my franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's Chevy with Fletch. Uh, There's all these stories about how when he was on Community and everybody was making him look like this bumbling idiot that was kind of uh, Griswold-esque. Yeah. That he was always fighting the the writers and the producers to try and make him more like Fletch. To make him essentially Joel McHale's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy who drives the, the, like, sarcasm and the, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's always interesting to kind of look at it through that lens of like this is this is Chevy's like platonic ideal of who he should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I can see that. I mean, you know, it's funny too because like so I mean like the reason that uh, I said you know what we should do Fletch because um, there had been some talk again about uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Fletch. Well, and, no, no, no. They, well, oh, no, that wasn't the reason. That was the second. Kevin, I think unrelated that was like, reboot. Came up. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, there's no director attached yet, as far as I know. Uh, there is a reboot that has been planned in terms of somebody licensed the, the, the rights. Uh, John Hamm is expected mm. to play Fletch, and uh, it's going to be loosely based on the second book in the series, which is called Confess Fletch, which is a good time to kind of mention uh, that. For me personally, I am I, I enjoy the hell out of the Chevy Chase Fletch movie. Um, the second one, not so much. But uh, 
more than the movies, I really like Gregory McDonald's novels. Uh, there are, and I'm, I'm too tipsy to remember, I believe it's 11 total. Um, I think it's nine novels that center on Erwin Fletcher, and then a pair that center on Jack, his illegitimate son, uh, <clears throat> son of Fletch and Fletch Reflected. And uh, so the, the, the plan for the upcoming movie is to, to base it on uh, Fletch, or Confess Fletch, which okay. is the second book in the series, uh, where essentially uh, the IRS and his ex-wife both have him over a barrel in terms of money that he owes that he has never paid because he's a, a slacker. Yeah. And he has to solve a mystery for the irs so that then he can uh have his record expunged so that he can like move to south america and stop being in debt yeah yeah uh <laughs> that is not the the plot of this one <laughs> um uh for for the handful of you who haven't seen fletch uh which is like consider one of the the like comedy classics of the 80s um it's based on a book from, I think, 1978, and in the book, you the main character is this uh, investigative journalist who's, like, uh, acerbic and kind of over it, and he uh, – there's, there's a lot of the, the book that's spent essentially with him double-talking his way around people who he owes money, people who he owes a story, people who he, who he owes attention – uh, you see a little bit of that in the movie, but not so much. Um, the movie essentially centers on he's again an investigative journalist. He works for a uh, like an alternative weekly kind of paper, and he uh, he's investigating the source of drugs on the beach, uh, which I, I think he's in San Francisco or no L.A. because he's got the yeah. Lake Jersey. Yeah. Um, he's in L.A. and he uh, he's investigating essentially this dealer called Fat Sam played by uh, George Went, who played Norman Cheers. And he's sent to the beach, essentially, to do not a puff piece, but, like, not really to investigate. To basically be like, okay, well, like, I spent three days here. Here's the dealer. Yeah. Everybody have a nice life. Drugs are a problem on the beach. Exactly. Uh, instead, he... Uh, he investigates the source that Fat Sam is getting his drugs from, which in turn uh, uncovers kind of a white-collar car cartel that incriminates uh, a bunch of rich people and the police chief. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so the thing I'll say, because, like, uh, again, as somebody who's read these books a bunch of times, I have actually a copy of Fletch, Fletch One, which is a prequel, uh, signed by McDonald over there. But uh, so... This movie is a very simplified version of Fletch the novel. And that's kind of necessary because especially in the 80s, you couldn't make a movie like a, a, a goofball comedy mm -hmm. that was two hours and change long. You could do that now. And I think that if we did a straight up adaptation of Fletch, we would probably get a, a more faithful adaptation. I'm not going to say better because this is a good movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It is a good movie. Chevy is a great choice, and and when when Kevin Smith was kind of entertaining the idea of rebooting it with Jason Lee, I was just like, yes, all in. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Jason is this great combination of like he feels a little bit like Chevy, 
but also he would be more capable than Chevy Chase of delivering the like the harder edged stuff that exists in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Um certainly. But yeah, the the first book uh it's this incredibly complicated conspiracy and basically what it boils down to is there's two different kind of things going on. There's a corrupt police department and there's this millionaire kind of airline magnate who has been trying to uh squirrel away enough money to fake his death and run off with his mistress because his wife and her family are the ones who have all the money. Yeah. Uh, and the, the funny thing is in the book, these are two entirely distinct plots. And, uh, so if you had the mass market paperback of Fletch, there's like a block of text on the front of this thing. Instead of cover art, there's a block of text. And it's basically the conversation where Ellen Stanwyck asks Fletch to murder him. And the conceit of both the book and the movie is that yeah. Stanwyck contracts Fletch to murder him, not knowing that Fletch is a reporter, thinking he's just a junkie on the beach. Yeah. And his plan is to murder Fletch instead and... Uh, fake his own death because Fletch is essentially built just like him. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to take off my class ring and put it on your body. I'm going to burn you up in my car. Yeah. And everybody will think I'm dead. Uh, In the movie, uh, spoilers, you find out that he has been like working with the local police to kind of have this massive conspiracy. And so when the police chief kills him, it's this vindictive move that uh, it, it, these two have an existing relationship and they butt heads. Mm-hmm. And like he's killed almost like kind of out of necessity, but mostly out of like, no, fuck you. You're screwing me over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the book, the plots of Alan Stanwyck smuggling drugs and the corrupt police chief are actually distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that, Fletch looks like Stanwyck is retained uh, but what happens is as Stanwyck and Fletch are confronting one another at the end of the book there's a gunshot and Stanwyck is murdered through the window because the police chief just thinks he's Fletch (laughs) Uh, but they are entirely separate plot threads yeah Um, and and to me like combining them combining them in the movie there's there's an element of storytelling uh, economy there yeah. But at the same time, like you lose kind of that totally unexpected element because yeah. as the relationship between uh, Stanwyck and the chief deteriorates in the last third of the movie, you're like, okay, this is going to come to a head. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you read the book, you don't expect those two to cross paths necessarily. And when the chief shoots him basically for no reason, uh, Stanwyck's just like, why? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so – it's a, I, I, I enjoy the movie. Uh, it's a weird, it's, it's not a great adaptation. Uh, a good combina- or, or a good uh, comparison, because we just got through Comic-Con weekend, mm-hmm. is Constantine. The yeah. 2005 Keanu Reeves movie, which had its 15th anniversary reunion panel at Comic-Con. And uh, on its own merits, that's a great movie. It's a ton yeah. of fun. Everybody in it is pretty good. Uh, even actors who aren't necessarily great, like Shia, Shia LaBeouf, uh, yeah. acquit themselves as well. Yeah. But as a Hellblazer adaptation, 
you kind of look at it and go, no, that's not anything like this comic. And that's kind of where I come from with Fletch. Um, it's, it's, it's an entirely different kind of thing than the, the books that it's based on, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've never read the, I've never read the books. Um, I've always, I think I have a couple sitting around somewhere around here. I'm, I'm um, sure I gave them to you at some point. I know point. you gave like at least one years to me. Ago, I, I was obsessed. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, I've actually, I'm actually been looking for like a fiction book that like is not like basically about the shit that I cover. And uh, yeah. I'm actually have to find my copy of uh, uh, either Fletch or Fletch. I forget which one it was. Um, but uh, if, but yeah. If no, you got uh, it from me, it would have been either Fletch or Fletch One because those are essentially the two like starting points of the series. Grab me that second. I think it's over on that shelf somewhere, but I can't see it. Um, but um, actually, I think it's in that box. Anyway, that is not something that's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Uh, like I like it's funny because like I yeah like you, you describe that plot and I'm like it's it's just like Constantine too where it's just like I've read a couple of Hellblazer books I know like a vague amount about Constantine and the and the kind of world and I'm like that would be great. We should have a movie like that soon. Yeah. I still want a sequel to Constantine. Like anytime they want to fucking do that, especially I was just reading that supposedly the sequel was going to have like be like a hard R, and it, yeah. he was going to meet Jesus. Yes. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> I fucking want that. Oh my god. Like I want Keanu Reeves. Like especially like an older like uh, older Keanu Reeves um, now because uh, now he's lived for you know 700 years or whatever it is. Um, and uh, Keanu, not Constantine. Um, and he's actually starting to show like a little tiny bit of like, oh, he's aged a little bit. Um, (laughs) which is, which is like seeing the Bill and Ted, but you don't, you don't think of him as aging, but when you look like recently because of the fact that they had this reunion panel and everything, I looked at pictures of him from Constantine Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think because it's like a hundred million dollar movie, even more than Bill and Ted, Constantine, he looks so fucking young. Because I assume it's just the makeup and, you know. Yeah. But, like, you watch, you look at these these images and you're like, holy shit. Like, even though Keanu Reeves feels like a guy who's eternally young, like, that doesn't hold up if you look specifically at this film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still, like, the, the, main, the main joke I was going for. Have you seen the paintings? No. If no. you search... Uh, Keanu Reeves through the ages or something like that like there's a series of paintings for like a thousand years back that nice. look exactly like him and so there's this you know obviously I, I would at least hope that it's a fake conspiracy you know like where no one's really serious about it never can be too sure these days um, yeah. that um, you know that he's a vampire and basically has <laughs> like lived through generations and because you know he hasn't really he hasn't aged appropriately I mean <laughs> Like you put his yes, if you put his like first Bill and Ted photo next to you know current, yes, he's aged a little bit, but like not in the way that fucking hell even we have. Um, <laughs> I mean, when I Google that, there's I, I can't even find the paintings you're talking about because the first <laughs> twenty responses, the whole first page of Google is just like random entertainment journalism pages saying Keanu Reeves is immortal. <laughs> Hold on, I literally, this is so not good podcasting, but um, 
this is one of those things where I need to figure out how to. <laughs> um, let's see, chat sending it to you. <laughs> it's not even about the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I, I like the fact that it pops up like a gigantic link on our page, and I, I hope that it totally carries over when we have the video. <laughs> um, yeah, fifteen thirty is a is a is a starting point here. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's more there's been more of them actually like the just mm-hmm. the three that like that are there or like not or whatever. But yeah. anyway, that um, doesn't really uh, connect at all to Fletch at all. But um, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I would uh, you know I think uh, having I'm, a I'm sure to... of the thirty six times they've tried to reboot Fletch at one point Keanu was in talks at some like. Yeah, uh, I can see it. I mean, fuck, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, it it will be interesting. Ham it is such an interesting cast. Like I wouldn't. I'm trying to remember what he's done in the last couple of years. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. Yeah, he can do this. Yeah. Um, God damn it. Um, you know, honestly, it might have been even. Um, it might have even been his. Uh, he was in Mission Impossible, right? I think so. so yeah. Um, it might have been even that. Uh, just because of him, like his. He he was playing. You know, he was playing another character, playing another character, sort of thing, and like yeah, he yeah. did it well enough. Like, but ah, fucking hell, I thought there was another. Like, it was a kind of like a comedy he did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but I I I mean I I I think that this the the whole series or whatever. I mean, I'm like I, I I'm seriously disappointed that uh, Jason Lee is still not attached in any way shape yeah, or form. Yeah, really. I think that's the story of he Jason Lee. He was such Lee's. a Fired like care, uh, casting yeah. when they when that rumor came up it was just like of course yeah 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 I mean I mean I honestly even like Joel McHale now would be mm. um kind of interesting like he would be great for a TV show I don't know why yeah. I don't see like as a film but if they did ever they're like oh fuck it we're gonna do like a Fletch TV I it's mean like, honestly as somebody yeah. who loves books I would yeah. love to see Fletch as a TV show rather think, than yeah. uh, a film and and given that they've tried like twenty six times to reboot it and it's never taken. Uh, that might be the way to go. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you know this, uh, or at least you knew it at one point. Uh, the the world at large does not. Uh, ages ago, I reached out to Gregory McDonald's estate, and I was like, "Hey, I want to make a comic book based on Fletch. That would be like essentially an ongoing comic with a closed-ended loop. So in the vein of like Transmet or Sandman." Yeah. And it would just be faithful adaptations of the books. Yeah. And, like, it was one of those things where the, the guy I reached out to was like, that's a great idea, let me talk to legal. And then legal was like, no, comics are part of the movie rights. You can't yeah. give them away. Like, they're, I, I think at that time Miramax had them or something. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like, as far back as, like, 2008 or whenever that was, I was thinking yeah, this is a thing that should be essentially an ongoing series, whether that's TV or comics. It's I, I always, obviously, as a person who tr- has been trying to do a uh, comic book uh, adaptation of a, cer- certain, of, of a certain author's yeah. work for, yeah. like, 15 years now, um, <laughs> um, uh, like, the, the idea that, like, back, like, even when you started that idea, like, now there's someone somewhere probably going, fucking hell. We had just done a fucking comic book. It probably would have yeah, been adapted. Exactly. <laughs> like it'd have a fucking Amazon series. Uh, it's funny. Now. It's funny. Like, I, uh, the other 
the other one of those, and I won't go into as much detail, but uh, the other, I, I'm not a comic book writer, but I, I cover the comics industry. I understand comics. I can write comic books. And sometimes you look at something and you're like, this is a no-brainer. This should be out there. Uh, the other thing besides Fletch that that happened with was uh, this. there's a series of uh, children's like sci-fi books. And the first of them was called uh, My Teacher is an Alien. Uh, Bruce Coble was the writer, and, and Bruce actually uh, graduated from Phoenix High School in Oswego County, uh, which is the uh, the place where I went to elementary school. And so he used to come and talk to us like all the time yeah. when we were kids. I remember like going to assemblies in the library, and I reached out to him a while back, and I'm like, "Hey, what about a comic?" And he's just like, "No, man, it's it's locked up with movie rights, and it's like." I, I feel like Greg and Tim Hildenbrandt, uh, who are like these famous like painters in the comics industry who have essentially semi-retired, I feel like they had bought the rights at some point. Yeah. And it was just one of those weird things where it was like, oh, so people way more famous and successful than me want to make a comic, but they're never going to do it because these guys take forever to finish a project. <laughs> yeah. I, that that's that's actually one of those untapped like if i had a if i was a movie exec like yeah it's always hard to tell because he seems he seems like he's enormous like having worked in the book you know having worked just not just for barnes and noble but also yeah like publishing books and things like that like i he seems like he's a big enough name that uh like bruce Coville would have yeah had I mean, he had something, right? Wasn't one of well, them, like, adapted to something? But I can't remember which one it was. Uh, something got adapted to an animated movie, like yeah. a direct-to-video animated movie recently. Uh, the the main character of it, or the villain of it, one of the two, was... Uh, yeah, shit. As soon as I remember his name, you're going to remember why I don't the title. Uh, Shatner. Um, oh. Aliens Ate My Homework got adapted. Yes. Uh, into an actual movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when that movie was announced, like, I remember uh, somebody at work and or Coville sending me a, a link that was like, hey, there's a movie. And uh, I went to look and I found that's when I found out that I was randomly blocked on Twitter by uh, Shatner because uh. Shatner's social media account was what they used to announce the movie. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm surprised I'm not blocked by Shatner after my little thing with him. But anyway, I mean, um, I, I I don't know why I've never said an unkind word to him. I assume it's just because he's a big Arrow fan. Mm -hmm. uh, I assume I must have said something that runs contrary to his views regarding Arrow. Um, oh, see, I, I I thought it would have been uh, more of the. Uh, autism world of his no that's the, the funny thing yeah. like i was blocked by him not before i had kids with autism but early enough that i was unaware that he was part of the like autism speaks like hey let's cure everybody kind of movement yeah yeah um, yeah no. <laughs> so it's funny because like uh he, he by him blocking me over i don't know what it did save me the decision of like should i block somebody that i have to cover for work <laughs> um yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of a problem uh but but yeah but fletch yeah exactly um, <laughs> well, speaking I mean, of tessie chase speaking of a controversial figure from that was uh, a big name in our childhood in and the that, 70s like, yeah that has become a 
controversialist figure. Thank God he's not on fucking Twitter. But God, holy shit! <laughs> I mean, like in the J, like I know I don't even want to say that he'd be James Woods because he's a different kind of uh, like person. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, he he. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this, but they did a, uh, a community cast reunion for COVID. Yeah, yeah. And it was like Sony Pictures Entertainment actually had this on their own, like, YouTube account or whatever. And so it was an official thing as much mm-hmm. as it can be. And, of course, uh, Dan Harmon is doing Rick and Morty now, so he's got all the money in the world. Yeah. And all of these people who did that show are famous. And so it was like a thing. Mm-hmm. And the episode they chose to do was Pierce's funeral. <laughs> so that there was no question, like, Chevy, you are not invited. <laughs> <sighs> it's it's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. But but not really. Like yeah. it is it is nice that like one one of the you know I mean like we have this whole conversation about like cancel culture and everything like that. Yeah. And one person who has not been cancelled has not been has been Chevy Chase because he hasn't had to be <laughs> like he he made conscious choices throughout his entire career yeah. leaving SNL when he did like um, being a dick on every single set possible like pissing off every single person that would become like a huge fucking name you know yeah. I mean like just every conscious choice getting a second chance. I mean, like he's got many second chances and things like that, but like along the way, but then like getting this, like, Oh my God, this new opportunity he could have shown, he could have become like a godfather of sitcom comedy and everything like that with community. And then being like, Nope, (laughs) I'm going to be an asshole. I'm going to be my old Chevy self. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God. You know, it's funny. Um, I hadn't really thought of it. Uh, and I won't say what the script is because I, I wasn't supposed to have it. Um, but there was a pilot script I read recently mm-hmm. where uh, the in the pilot of this series, which didn't go forward, yeah. uh, the main character interacts. It's, a, it's set in the 80s. Yeah. And the main character interacts with uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin. Yeah. And the gag is that this main character was originally planned to be one of the... It was going to be four amigos, not three. Uh, uh. And I didn't think about it as I was reading, but as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, the fact that they planned this script so Chevy wouldn't be there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, who was... Wait, was Martin Short, Steve Martin, and... And Who's Chevy the three amig- were the three amigos. And Chevy. Chevy was the three, one of the three amigos. Yeah, Shit. yeah. I, 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 we should actually do that sometime. But, um, uh, and also I have, Spies I Like have Us. A like, if you want my DVD, I have a I DVD. have, the, I have, I actually oh, was, okay. this is one of those things where my, like, actually, like, like two Christmases or, or birthdays ago or something, actually got, I got one of those. I'm like, I still have to pick up a, uh, I don't think I have Spies Like Us on, on DVD. Um, but. <laughs> it's funny, those, uh. I, I have I don't have spies like us. I do have uh, the Great Outdoors, yeah. Which nobody but me prefers to spies like us. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd have to do a rewatch of both. I mean the because I mean like with the um, Great Outdoors, you have John Candy, and yeah. so like that's a great factor. Like that, even though I like Chevy in that film, he's not yeah. 
he's not playing a a, a Chevy that I don't like, which there yeah. are films out there that are he plays the you know version of of himself that I don't like. Um, but but yeah, it isn't. There'd actually be if I was the type of person to like write. I've been delving into Lindsay Alice again, and um, <laughs> and. <laughs> Because of like, there's a whole. I was like, well, oh, I don't. Her novel just like, came out. We should talk about that. I, yeah, I know. I, I know. I got to pick that up. Um, actually, you reminded me that the other day, and then I got distracted by I think actually watching just like fucking hell. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was probably one of her Transformers things because I fucking love those. But uh, oh, I think it was Disney and uh, the Disney um, death. Uh, like the I don't know if it was Disney oh, and okay. Death of Villain. Like when they're killing, yeah. basically they stopped using villains and like. It was like the first one that I'm like, I completely and totally see where you're coming from. I disagree, though. But, of course, I don't like Disney films the way that she likes Disney films. So, yeah, <laughs> and I think so, it had a lot to do with the fact that she... That's a weird thing for me is, like, there's so many people who obsess on that, like, subgenre. And so whenever I'm like, no, you're wrong, I have a hard time enforcing the idea that they're wrong because it's like, yeah, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> Like, her argument, as all of her arguments are. I mean, this is the one thing that, like, angers me, because it's like, I 100% disagree with you, but you're correct. <laughs> like, yeah, you're yeah. correct in within your headspace and your argument, and that's, we just disagree that this is a good thing, this is a bad thing. And that right. is, like, fucking hell, this is not what YouTube is for. YouTube yeah. is for me going, you're a fucking nut. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is another thing, like, I just read a Wired, or, or, or she had a big piece in uh, Wired uh, that they, when they interviewed her, and she, you know, yeah. and and that was, like, about her, like, the, the shit that she's gotten from, you know, Shocker, um, like, basically men on the internet, um, and it's just like, I now, ooh, <laughs> like, now I never want to, like, if I ever actually end up meeting her, I'm like, I just don't want to end up being, just being like, I love your work. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get a argument with you because it's funny. It, you've been too much of a shit. <laughs> it took me like seven tries to compose this tweet. Um, I tweeted at her earlier this week because if you look at the jacket photo in her novel, um, she's it, it, it looks like she is taking herself very seriously. Um, she's like got the three mile stare and no smile and she's like buttoned down. Yeah. And I had to like recompose that tweet like four times to like to hone my message. So it's like, no, 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 I'm not insulting your looks. I'm just saying you are totally off brand in this picture where you look beautiful. <laughs> um, and and when I finally figured out like how I wanted to phrase it, Ellis responded and she was like, yeah, I knew that was fucked up as soon as I took it. But it was two minutes before the deadline and we just went with it. <laughs> Oh God, that's uh, it's oh, fucking hell. I'm trying to remember what anyway. But there, there was another conversation where I was having a conversation with um, um, a woman within the space of entertainment um, debate conversation. I don't know, not yeah. like not like journalism, but like criticism and things like that. And I was just like, I'm not getting it. I disagree, but I'm like, it's just just like I, I, I no one will it's not it's not worth it because the amount of shit that people have to fucking put up with i mean i i i'm a straight white male and i put up with 
an incredible amount of shit because I, yeah. I talk about white supremacism and things like that yeah. um, critically, obviously critically. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have to caveat that. Like whenever I tell somebody, I'm like, well, I was at Charlotte. I was at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville as a journalist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. But yeah, anyway, so. Um, I was the one they were aiming cars at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, Fletch. Um, yeah. All right. It's, so, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, one of the things, and, and this kind of. Uh, it's always rough because you don't want to review a, a movie based on the book that it's based mm. on. But at the same time, like, this is worth kind of bringing up. Um, the book was by, by like, blockbuster movie standards yeah super fucking dark like as an investigative journalist he was like looking at the worst of the worst and gosh a couple of examples uh there was a 15 year old i think girl who was like a junkie on the beach that he took under his wing and it's implied that they had a sexual relationship it's not necessarily stated directly But she overdoses and dies and he has to like bury her in the, on the beach. And like later it comes up as a plot point because he like uses the corpse to like incriminate the bad guys. Yeah. But it's one of those things where like it, first of all, even ignoring like the very light, very like stripes kind of style tone that the move, the Fletch movie takes. Yeah. Like I can't imagine a scenario where even like the Kevin Smith movie or the the 2004 or 2014 movie with Jason Sudeikis or whatever that was supposed to happen, like that was never going to happen. And I kind of feel like the reason that John Hamm's movie is supposed to be Fletch uh, or Confess Fletch is because it's like no, we're going to ignore some of the really like there's some shit <laughs> in Fletch. Yeah, yeah. Um, like even ignoring her like and her death and the circumstances surrounding it it's like uh okay so fat sam which is uh, uh again norm from cheers george went uh in the movie he's fat sam because he's george went he's a fat guy yeah um in the in the book he has been blackmailed by the cops like they have over him he's been dealing drugs on the beach and if he doesn't work with them he's gonna go to jail forever and so he's been essentially stuck on this fucking beach, having people bring him subs and fries for years. And so, like, he's called Fat Sam ironically. He's, yeah. like, 90 pounds. And, and, and so it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I understand why as somebody doing casting for a character called Fat Sam in a, in a goofy comedy... Yeah. You're like, oh, George went. He's perfect. I mean, also at the time period at which it was being done, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you cast no. George went. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's that's not our. I mean, cast. this is, I believe, this is pre Cheers, uh, really? but yeah, I think so. Uh, Fletch, I think, was 1985, and Cheers started, in, I think, 88. I, I might oh, okay. be. No, no, no. I'm, I'm totally wrong. Cheers started in 82. Hold on, just a second. I was about to say because I'm like, I don't remember a time period where in my life where cheers was where like, cheers didn't exist yeah. didn't exist and like i was born in 81 and like i i do distinctly remember like crying my fucking eyes out for some reason i'm not still not quite sure why like at the end of cheers i mean it was a really sad i mean it was the end of a fucking whatever but <laughs> like 
I wasn't around for the end of MASH, so, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, unrelated, I will say, uh, the end of Cheers is one of my favorite TV finales ever. Um, yeah. There's, there's a... It's one of those weird things. It's funny, I, I somebody recently... Oh, so, uh, I made some comment in an article where I referred to the will they or won't they relationship with Sam and Diane and how uh, after Diane left, they kind of replaced it with Rebecca. Yeah. And like, just for clarity, it was a totally different relationship, Sam and Diane, versus Sam and Rebecca, but it was still a will they or won't they. Yeah. yeah. Like Sam still aggressively pursued Rebecca who essentially thought she was too good for him and should be with a rich guy. Yeah. Uh, and this, this this reader was very angry that I characterized it that way. I don't know exactly why. But he, he he essentially pointed out, like, no, no, in the second half of Cheers, like, the other woman was the bar. And I'm like, yeah, that, I, that's 100% true. And that's why it's one of the great finales of all time. Because, like, he's presented with this thing where, like, over the course of 13 years or whatever, you build up Diane and Rebecca and finally, both of them want him at the same... Like, it's always one of those, like, there's misconnections. It's like, he never wants her at the same time as she wants him. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, both of them want him. Mm-hmm. And it's time for him to, like, say, okay, I'm going to make a, a grown-up decision. I'm going to move on with my life. And this is the end of Cheers. And his answer is, like, no, the love of my life is fucking Cheers. Like, the love of my life is the bar. And so it's one of those weird things where that reader got super angry... And he, like, preaches at me this idea that, like, no, the bar is the other woman. I'm like, of course the bar is the fucking other woman. That doesn't mean it's not a will they or won't they fucking story. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> just, <laughs> all of that said, you are correct. Cheers was in season three when Fletch was casting <laughs> I mean, uh, on a conversational level, that that wasn't as far off as the fuck were we talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, we're both uh, not shockingly a little tipsy. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's eleven uh, o'clock at night on a Sunday. What is? Yeah, it's like twenty percent quarantine, forty percent booze, and then just you know. And then a chunk of it is just like that we haven't been doing this much. <laughs> like, <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> I and, uh, and my whole life has been fucking Savage Dragon for a week because uh, <laughs> this comic book that I'm like, and this is not an ego thing. This is just one of those like uh, this comic book where in terms of mainstream journalists and like people who have a scholarly quote unquote expertise and aren't just super fans. I'm probably somewhere between numbers one and three in the world. Um, it just hit a, a big milestone issue and suddenly everybody gives a shit about it. And this happens every couple of years. Um, every 25 issues, Eric has a hundred page special. Everybody's like, Holy shit. Savage dragon still exists. And they, they have a big million. Everybody like talks about it. And, and for me, it's like a crazy couple of weeks. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, this thing happened. And then, I go back to being the only person in mainstream media who gives a shit about this. And and at some point, because every single time, every once in a while, you like hand me an episode, you hand me an episode, hand me a uh, issue and I read it and I always love it. Uh, But 
I it, it, like I God, I'm trying to think. I think The Boys is the last. Like I don't read anything other than like graphic novels. Like I, I just don't have the. I don't know what what my problem is. Um, but um, you know, at some point we'll have um, to have like we'll have to have a conversation about like okay, so do I have to go back to issue one and read all. 35,000 issues, which I assume at this point there is. No. Um, or, <laughs> um, we, we had a shortened version of this conversation, I think, literally in the comic book store the other like yeah, a couple and, weeks and ago. Probably, but, probably when it was 225. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying at some point but, we yeah. will have to have this, like, we'll actually have to have a, like, I'll have to read a couple issues and then we'll actually have have to do a podcast about it yeah. because, um, it yeah. It might be I mean, fun is, to just to have you read, like, one 25 50 75 up to 250 uh and and just the big ass 100 page like specials um but the other side (laughs) of that is for the first time ever um uh and this includes there's never been a vhs or a dvd release uh the peacock streaming service has made the savage dragon animated series from usa television available Oh my God! I forgot that was a thing that existed. Yes, it was. Wow. And it's not good. However, <laughs> you can watch it. <laughs> you, it is a thing that you can do. Okay. Uh, I will take this moment though, as this is a conversation that Russ, is not, uh, Russ and I have had, and uh, so I'm committing him to doing it and to me doing it. We will be doing a um, the boys rewatch. Speaking oh, of absolutely. people that we're friends yeah. with. We will be doing a boys uh, rewatch uh, for the first season leading up to the second season where both of us, or at least I'm going to, I'm definitely going to do a reread on the, uh, on the first uh, two, I think it's the first two graphic now. I'm trying to remember. I don't know how many graphic novels technical as it, or collections. Yeah, I it's say, hard because like they got to 60 issues and they ended and then they like just kept going with a bunch of mini series. Like there's but a new, there's like a new uh, bunch out now too. Like yeah, I, I grabbed issue two of something, and but also uh, because the miniseries are standalone, yeah. Like the TV show can draw from those freely without having to break up the flow yeah. of. Yeah, know, I mean, uh, like obviously the boys isn't dealing with the arc in the same way that I mean, and no one, no one really deals with comic books in that way. But like they're not being like, okay, so this is this is the collection number one. This is collection yeah, number yeah. two. Even though that would be kind of fantastic and easy for everyone to. <laughs> I know. I you know it's funny. Um, the uh, the Sandman show that's coming on uh, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Is supposedly essentially the first graphic novel and then like a couple of issues of the second. Yeah. Uh, for its first season, and I'm like, with with Neil Gaiman having the kind of like pull that he has because he's a best-selling novelist and American Gods was a thing and and uh, uh, Good Omens was a thing. Like, it would be really interesting to see him essentially pressure Netflix into being like, no, if we're going to adapt this, let's adapt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to make no changes for the current time and the medium, but I do mean, like, the story pacing. Like, because comics are designed in such a way that, like, no, it's very much like television. Yeah. Like, a six-issue arc is six months of TV, and that's basically what you get before you go on hiatus. That, that's, I mean, I like, I'm sure that we've talked about this earlier in earlier episodes, but I'm like, that was, like, one of the biggest things I loved about um, Luther. Yeah. Is that some seasons were, I mean, they're all, like, painfully short. Um, but, like, some seasons were four episodes. Like, one, I think one season was, like, two or something. And it was, like, they're, like, long, you know, like, kind of weird. Yeah lengths and stuff like that but it was just like no we tell the it's the length of the story that the writers wrote 
And like to me, that always seems like a really good idea to do if we're doing these miniseries that are, especially since we've thrown out the entire idea that, well, you have to have 20, at least 20 episodes and yeah. they're, th- you know, th- or if it's, you know, maybe, maybe we can do 16 if they're hour length episodes and things yeah. like that. And like we've thrown out that whole thing because now we're using now as opposed to like CSI Miami, which I assume is an hour. It always seems like at least it's got to be an hour. Um, like, or, you know, Law and Order. Let's use Law and Order for an example. Like, Law and Order is an hour, and it doesn't, it's just, there's no arc. There's no nothing really. I mean, maybe there's like an underlying yeah. arc of somebody being like, oh, eventually he's going to quit or something like that. But there's nothing yeah. really all that important going on. Um, but the idea that, like, we're, they're not telling any other greater stories. So it's just like, I don't, it's kind of Law and Order's got to have 20 episodes a season yeah. or something. I feel like at least, but now we've thrown that, you know, right out the window and like what was, uh, I probably should have done this before I started this conversation, <laughs> but like, you know, the boys probably mm-hmm. had, what was 10? it? 11, 10, I probably 13, but I think uh, like 10 sounds right to me in my head. Eight riveting radio, eight episodes. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, Carl Urban was in every episode, so um, eight episodes. Speaking of Carl Urban, if we're going to go off, I'm like, where the fuck is goddamn dread? Anyway, but uh, t- speaking of Fletch, um, <laughs> I know, I, <laughs> we've actually, done everything except for talk about Fletch here. Believe it or not, uh, my, plan, my plan was to eventually just sneak into uh, the conversation <laughs> about whatever nonsense we were talking about. Uh, it's all ball bearings nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took like five notes <laughs> um what i what i thoroughly love is my second note was annie mcdowell <laughs> I, gina I davis remember. is in it <laughs> yeah i remember that i don't remember annie mcdowell in it. for some reason i always have i i confuse gina davis and annie mcdowell oh, oh, i oh, love oh. both of them equally for different reasons <laughs> like uh-huh. there's hudson hawk <laughs> Andy McDowell, or is Andy McDowell. Gina Davis is um, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight and and a bunch of other things and this mo- yeah. and Fletch. <laughs> but like literally, I wa- I was walking up, so I have um, a Hudson Hawk movie poster like plaqued, like is in it's like it's in a weird frame thing that's like mm-hmm. it ruins the movie poster, but it keeps it from UV yeah. or whatever else. Um, it's a cool way to do it, but it's expensive and it's stupid to do if you care about the value, but it's a Hudson Hawk poster. They're still worth $25 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I, I like, literally, I'm like, I need to buy another one. That's not anyway. Anyway, but like, I looked up and I just caught out of the, out of corner of my eye. Cause I was thinking in my head as I was running back upstairs to do this podcast and I'm like, okay, so, um, ready or not. And I'm like, what are the other movies? And I'm like, and then I saw Andy McDowell and I'm like, wait a minute. Annie uh-huh. McDowell is not in Ready or Not. It's Gina Davis. Fuck, my head is fucked. No, but, but, yeah. you, but you're you're 180 degrees wrong. Uh, Gina Davis is in Fletch. Andy McDowell is in Ready or Not. Yes, that was it. That was that was the connection <laughs> that I made. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's how like that's how like no, they were different. It's which is amusing because like Ready or Not has the problem where everybody thought that um, the main actress who yeah, is named Tomorrow Weaving was. was yeah. uh, yeah, that uh, shit. I tell uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Neither of us want to say Suicide Squad because it's just sad. <laughs> um, oh, I, honestly, I do. Margot even... Robbie. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's like I love both of those people, but again, my my preference is one hundred percent. I mean, literally anyone who was if, in um, Ready or Not. <laughs> if my preference, if my present preference wasn't already Samara Weaving, then the fact that she is uh, the daughter of Bill S. Preston Esquire. Um, yes. <laughs> would absolutely she's Thea that's her name because yep. because the daughters are also Bill and Ted yeah um, so uh, I um, by the way I finally again this is again since we're not doing a, a, a thing on subject um, Guns Akimbo I finally watched it which we are going to have to do I know there's problematic things with it but the movie is I, I, I'm trying to, like, uh, what's the, like, literally, like, half a step below Fantastic? Um, but it's fun as fucking hell. Like, everything that I want, everything that I could have never imagined in a moment in, for um, <laughs> for Daniel Radcliffe's career, it has continued in this. <laughs> because, uh, like, it's one of those, I'm, like, trying to sell it to my two younger sisters um, <laughs> who are, like, uh, 26 and um, 19 and I was like, Daniel Radcliffe's in it. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, he's got he's got uh, handguns with extended <laughs> clips literally Stapled bolted to his, hand. to his hands. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, yes. You're <laughs> like, what? And it, but he's in his pajamas and his boxers almost the entire film. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I will not start a rant on J.K. Rowling right now. No. Since we're doing everything. <laughs> But if we're going to do Guns Akimbo, that will be the perfect time to do that. Yes, um, exactly. Especially considering we'll all already be guys. shitting on the director. So why yes. not shit on them? Um, side note, uh, yes. because this is a thing I suspected at the time and then I brought it up on uh, on IMDb. Uh, uh, it's not Chevy who's in Great Outdoors. It's Dan Aykroyd. Fuck uh, me. Also, though, Bart the You're Bear, right. yeah. who plays the bald-headed bear in that movie. That is what? I'm sorry, say it again. Bart the Bear, who yeah. plays the bald-headed bear in that movie, yeah. was in The Edge, Meet the Deedles, On Deadly Ground, Twelve Monkeys, Legends <laughs> of the Fall, White Fang, The Great Outdoors, The Bear, Clan of the Cave Bear, Benji the Hunted, and Wind Walker. So this bear has a better fucking resume than 90% of Hollywood. <laughs> that that bear, like, just, like, IMDb score and, like, award-winning score has a better career than Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> also, I mean, look on at, TV... Look at his fucking career. There's almost... There's, like, two strikeouts there. Maybe. Maybe. Like... like. Also on TV, he, he appeared in The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, and he was a presenter at the 1998 Academy Awards. I I I need to look that up now because I don't know how that works. But <laughs> kind of like I know we don't usually do video, but I feel like that's one of those like roll clip. <laughs> the nominees for outstanding achievement in sound effects editing are. Okay, wait. I'm sorry. Okay, I know we're not supposed to make political speeches during the Oscars. But someone must speak for those who cannot speak. Throughout its 70 years, the Academy Awards have focused only on the achievements of people, like people are so good. 
The Academy has overlooked and besmirched, oh yes, I said besmirched, <laughs> the contributions that animals have made to motion pictures, and I'm going to do something about it right now. Yes, people! Ladies and gentlemen, the star of 11 motion pictures, including Clan of the Cave Bear, Legends of the Fall, and most recently, The Edge, Bart the Bear. I just soiled myself. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Damn, that that bear is like. Remember, there's that random character that that random oh, like. Oh yeah, that extra, guy who's in like. Like everything. who's in both Star Wars and in Marvel films. Um, like that guy. That guy is that bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's another dog. There's another dog like that. I'm. I, it's not Fraser's. It's not like Fraser's dad's dog. But like, there's another dog that has been. Literally, not Lassie, obviously, but like right. one of those dogs that literally. Was it Benji? Because like, Benji was also Chevy Chase in Oh Heavenly Dog. That's true. It wasn't Benji. I'm trying to remember. It's like it's it's a random dog. I I I'm trying to remember. I looked it up before, but but like it is wild when you look at those and you're like, oh wow, those that there's been that one dog that's been in like yeah. 17 fucking things and probably has like a like hopefully that dog ended up getting points or something <laughs> as opposed to. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I'm going to click on this link and I'm going to be sad. Um, at the top of Bart the Bear's Wikipedia page, it says, this article is about the original Bart the Bear who died in 2000. For his namesake, Bart the Bear 2, uh, who was born that year. <laughs> See, Bart the Bear 2. Um, Bart the Bear 2 uh, was in Dr. Doolittle 2, Evan Almighty... An Unfinished Life, Into the Wild, uh, The Legend of Grizzly Mountain, Into the Grizzly Maze, We Bought a Zoo. So basically, uh, uh, Bart the Bear 2 did not have the same level of career that Bart the Bear did. Well, I mean, Bart the Bear 2 ended up going into the world, which, you know, I mean, like so many people had the problem of, um, is that, you know, CG ended up taking over. You know, I mean, like The Edge was probably one of the later films that had fully real bears in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will so, say. Um, um, so, yeah, he, so that brings us back around episode, to he, he in an episode of Scrubs uh, called My New God. Um, and the New <laughs> Gods is a movie coming out from director Ava DuVernay. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is I'm looking at Bart the Bear's like, life and I'm like, I think, I'm pretty sure Clan, the Clan, Bear, Clan of the Cave Bear um, which I love that he's uncredited. <laughs> he's uncredited in Benji, Benji the Hunted as well, and also in Berserker. Um, <laughs> My love for you is making fuck. I mean, I, we had to watch um, Clan of the Cave Bear in fucking Earth Sciences, which I'm like still, I think it was confusing for some reason. Um, and all I remember was, oh, oh, oh. They had to make this like, they made yeah, this like, yeah, oh, we have sex now sort of like, yeah hand motion and like 
that ended up being a joke within like our class for like at oh least i'm sure five years. <laughs> the uh uh it's funny uh the that movie had uh curtis uh curtis armstrong in it mm-hmm. and i just remember i read his autobiography and the chapter on clan of the cave bear was just like holy shit everything's terrible let me die now <laughs> I, that movie was, oh man, that movie was something else. Um, but anyway, it, uh, like, so if, the, if the quarantine, I'm starting to be like, okay, so I have to rewatch some movies that I have, I'll like have vague remembrances of, as opposed to yeah. just rewatch Ready or Not, like for the thirty fourth hundredth time. Um, that's my stress release movie, like at this point. Like last, like two years ago, it was like Dread. Like I just, I, yeah. I would say actually like more than two years ago it was like last year and the year before and the year before. And then before that it was like layer cake and then whatever. But, um, <laughs> but like this year it's this, uh, this past two years, it's uh, uh, ready or not. But like, I'm going to have to like try to like rewatch some of these movies that I've like vague remembrances of uh, if the cor- assuming, because I guess we have to assume the quarantine is going to continue on for indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, may have to delve back into like try to find clan of the cave bear and just be like okay so let's delve up seventh grade eighth grade eighth grade i think eighth grade earth science or something and like why why did we watch this in our science <laughs> like i remember the classroom um i remember mocking the like school asshole for some reason like and like all hmm. the class laughed and that's like all that i remember in the film and then the yeah. <laughs> like that the sex thing and that's that's all that i remember <laughs> and and still like never can see anything else uh, about daryl hannah than that film yeah. but um <laughs> like I mean, even fair, her best movie was Darryl, her best yeah. movie was splash which also she didn't speak english until about two-thirds of the way through yeah. <laughs> and then they made that Disney ride about it, and it yeah. it, it didn't it had nothing to do with it. It was all like racist stuff. She's one of those few actresses that's definitely a really good person, but not oh. not a uh, yeah no can't her career can't do it. Like not Never like she doesn't hit the Venn diagram, the perfect circle Venn diagram of like Martin Sheen, who is like a fantastic person and also a really great actor who's done yeah. like only good almost only good work i mean i'm sure there's like a lot of shitty work i mean he did produce charlie sheen but um <laughs> i fucking love you emilio anyway but uh <laughs> and i'm still angry that i haven't seen your goddamn library movie yet have you seen the trailer like there was this great uh, trailer like three years ago and then i don't know what I the fuck happened to we it. talked about it on the show yes <laughs> we talked about i literally it's one of those few films that i actually like sent out it's about a ho- bunch of homeless people who um, the library's gonna get shut down or something like that. Um, and homeless people basically take over um, the library, and then police are basically doing a thing. And then there's a whole like, oh, the librarians kind of band together and yeah. you know, thing looked fantastic. On the other hand, also Bobby looked fantastic and was not good. Um, but it looked, yeah. you know, like but, but Bobby also like it had heart. And like that's one thing that I always give Emilio's films is like when he actually directs and writes or direct or writes them is that like they have fucking heart. Like, yeah. you know, they're whatever. It's like, you know, I mean, like even, you know, like I love almost I love all Kevin Smith films, but like even the even the ones you're like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Um, like you're like that 
that film is still Kevin Smith and it still has heart. Um, and I still will go down fucking saying like my, probably my third favorite film is, um, <laughs> um, is his daughter's de- uh, directorial uh, or is his daughter's acting debut. Um, and uh, his little tiny Nazis running a car, little uh, world, the Nazis or the world war. I have it on VHS over there. Yoga hosers, <laughs> yoga hosers. Yes. We should actually try to figure out how to, when you get the projector running, that's, That's something idea. we should project. You know, also we should try because I've had the like director's commentary things. Mm-hmm. I I should try and inevitably fail, but try to get Kevin to do a director's commentary for that on on Emerald City Video. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I say fail is because Smith has told me in an interview that like post Jane Silent Bob reboot, he's so excited about like revisiting his work that yeah. he wants to do commentary tracks for everything. And since he has like thirty seven podcasts. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 believe it or not, that was a <laughs> random number I picked out of the sky. That wasn't meant to be a. Um. <clears throat> it's built into our brains. So um, this is a podcast about flesh. Um, and I remember we, okay. we this George went um, is where we kind of went off. Yes. On a, a trail uh, there. Uh, yeah. Started with cheers and went God knows where. Um, <laughs> so uh, here's a here's a, a interesting thing. Um, I'm gonna look up her name because I cannot, for the life of me, remember the uh, the actress's name. She's delightful in this film. The the, the love interest, um, something Nicholson, I believe, uh, or Wheeler, one of the two. Uh, Dana Wheeler Nicholson, uh, who uh, if you if you watched Fletch, you know the 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 like the hot blonde love interest, the Alan Stanwyck's wife, who kind of like flirts with Fletch. <laughs> nonstop um you might recognize her from nashville or friday night lights or uh god what's the other oh uh tombstone but uh in in terms of talking about me and my attempts my failed attempt at one point to try to get them to make a comic book of this series uh uh dana wheeler nicholson is i believe the granddaughter of this guy named major malcolm uh, let me see. Uh, I think it's Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson. Um, he is the founder of National Publications. Yeah, Major Malcolm Mueller, Wheeler Nicholson, the founder of National Publications, which would eventually go on to be renamed as DC Comics. Yeah. So uh, Dana Wheeler Nicholson is actually like uh, she's in Fletch. She's in The Night We Never Met. She's in Tombstone. But also, like she, she, her family is tied into the DNA of the American comics industry in such a way that, like, yeah, it's impossible for comics to exist in the way they do right now without yeah. her grandfather. Um, which oh, I, my fucking god, I'm sorry, I just, I, I, I watch way too much a lot. <clears throat> I gave up on Loner SVU. That was too mm-hmm. much. Like when it comes to like police you know, issues during this time. So I like, I just watched Law and Order, but I just realized, uh, Law, she was on Law and Order SVU and I just realized what character she was on Law and Order, <coughs> Law and Order SVU. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like I picture her and I remember her bit, like her crime, like everything. Huh. I think if I remember correctly, I think she shot a black kid who was coming up to say like, Oh my God, I love your work. And like it was a it was a thing, and uh, as it would be. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, no, you're fine. Uh, I just, I wanted, it, it's one of those things where I wanted to say, like, it's funny because she has never been, like, she's worked consistently since this, but she's never been, like, the success that uh, either Chevy or, um, God, who's the guy from the West Wing who played Alan Stanwyck? Um, yeah. Tim Matheson has been. Uh, but I, I really, I genuinely think she was great. That she elevated this movie. She elevated the part because, again, this is a movie. Uh, this is a movie that is written. You know, it's it's 1985. Women don't really have much of a part other than being love interest. And certainly, it's less creepy than like the book, where he has uh, yeah. a fiance he's blowing off while he's flirting with her, and then also the 15 year old he's kind of sort of sleeping with while he's flirting with her but uh that doesn't make uh that doesn't make the whole thing uh the the, the role that that uh wheeler nicholson's playing any more fulfilling <laughs> um yeah, yeah, yeah. really like there's there's a scene where she like fletch goes to see her at her little bungalow at the golf club <laughs> and she's like <clears throat> just out of the shower and the whole joke is like, let me steal your towel. <laughs> um, uh, but she she really elevated like that part uh, in, in a way that I think that uh, deserves some credit. Uh, yeah, I think the 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 other similar thing you could look at is, uh, oh God, what's her name? The supermodel who was in Vacation again, Chevy Chase, uh, uh, Elle McPherson, I think it was. But there yeah. there was like the hot lady who. Uh, was the other girl in the car. <clears throat> but I mean, like she, I mean, I, I think she's at least on par with, um, which I'm very quickly trying to, uh, dig up, uh, in national lampoon, his, uh, Clark Griswold's wife's name. Um, Beverly like the back and forth, Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, cause for like some reason, had that I back had and had forth committed with to memory. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess because his kid is named Russ, and that's the only time that that was a thing as I grew up. <laughs> yeah. I, I got vacation, you got the Lego Maniac, and we were both kind of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure who won out on that one, but uh, <laughs> especially considering the follow-up was actually uh, the uh, Saved by the Bell, um, especially considering uh, I was shit, blonde yeah, and blue-eyed, right. so yeah. Which another show anyway, but um. uh, but yeah. In any event, uh, the uh, this is a movie where you have a lot of people in the cast who, and, and again, kind of drawing that comparison to National Lampoon's Vacation. There's a lot of people in this cast where you're just like, yeah, everybody in this is just great. Yeah. Um, most people don't get anything to do because this really is Chevy Chase show. And, like, probably the person who gets the second most screen time after him is Joe Don Baker. Yeah. And Joe Don Baker, like, I mean, he's he's good at what he does, but he's just Joe Don Baker in this. Like, he's essentially Boss Hog from uh, uh, fucking Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it it's, uh, but, I mean, like, that's, that's, like, a lot of, I mean, it, like, kind of feels like, uh, um a lot of 80s films um which like one of my i mean like one of my notes was about how <laughs> not only was like 
you have Bill Murray, you have Chevy Chase, you have so many of the like former SNL actors who are average guy, average white guys. But for some yeah. fucking reason, they're the hot guys. Like, how many women in this film that he's able to just like yeah, just say two lines to and like, oh, okay. Uh, it's funny. Um, <laughs> like, it's such a trope of eighties movies. And mm-hmm. again, as you said, it's it tends to be like very average guys, and so it's it's like you kind of notice it. Um, Fletch is a weird situation because in the book, the way he's physically described, he's basically Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like Fletch is like legitimately described as an incredibly handsome man. And so it's kind of funny because like they opted instead of like leaning into the noir and like the investigative journalist and the mystery and all that, uh, they opted to lean into the comedy, which is funny. Like the the book itself was funny, but it was mostly just snark. Like the 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 story wasn't funny, and the characters by and large weren't funny. And so when you when they did this movie and they decided to lean into the comedy, you end up kind of giving a lot of characters the short shrift. Yeah. Um. And and you know again that's why it becomes kind of the Chevy Chase show. Um. But. It, it, it fundamentally changes kind of the, the tone of the thing. And again, like, this is not a complaint. This is not me going like, oh, fucking Constantine doesn't wear the brown coat and he's not blonde, so fuck everybody. But, like, when you look at it and you go, oh, I don't understand why everybody's falling over themselves to fuck Chevy Chase. The answer is because he's not Chevy Chase in the book. He's fucking Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 not to like and also like i mean and i think that like i don't know if anyone's younger because i mean like that obviously this film came out in 85 and obviously neither of us were old enough to like catch the fletch fever yeah um when it came out but like thanks to vhs and things like that like we were and and also uh, for me uh my my uncle i had an uncle who's like 13 years older than me and uh, so he was like, he watched me when I was a kid, and he was like my kind of de facto godfather kind of figure. Um, and he was like the cool guy in my childhood. Like he was a, 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 a cyclist, like a racer who was on Greg LeMond's, like not his like main team, but his like whatever thing that Greg LeMond as an Olympic athlete like had that thing where he's like, no, I'm going to have franchises all over the country. Yeah. Um, and Uncle Dan had, like, the first two books in paperback. And, uh, again, like, uh, besides the fact that it's a popular movie, so you notice the, the logo immediately, uh, there's something really striking, even though there's no art, to a, a book cover that is just a block of dialogue. Yeah. And so I remember being, like, 13 and being like, oh, I, I saw this movie. I didn't give a shit about it. But, like, it's weird that this, like, really interesting book cover is is the same movie that I saw with Chevy Chase. And because I was 13 and my uncle was 26 or whatever, he wasn't old enough to know that it's a terrible fucking idea to give your 13-year-old nephew a book <laughs> where a 15-year-old fucks yeah, a 13-year-old yeah, yeah. and then dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But my point was... Like, to realize, like, people who don't know Chevy Chase um, as a 
like God, I'm trying to think of like I, I think the way that people think Bill Murray in the eighties and everything like that. Like I think people yeah. have a like kids these days or whatever. I mean like younger people like earlier their twenties. But like so um National Lampoon's Vacation came out in eighty three. Yeah. Um kind of solidified so this was basically his next movie after that. Yeah. So National Lampoon's Vacation eighty three. Um Fletch came out in eighty five. Also Lampoon's European Vacation came out in 85. Uh, Spies Like Us with Steve Martin and Martin Short came out in 85. Three Amigos came out in 86. Funny Farm came out in 88. Caddyshack 2, which no one gave a shit about, <laughs> came out in 89. Um, and Flesh Lives came out in 80, uh, 89. And so did um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which everyone, I think, like... Yeah. The two, this is one of those, that's one of those very weird, tr- well, I know there's a fourth one, but we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's the it's the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull of the National Lampoons yeah. series. Um, <laughs> Although, you know, that, the, the thing that uh, Vegas Vacation gave us that uh, uh, has some value, yeah. uh, they had to recast the kids, because of course, like, they were essentially... Uh, and they're freezing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were they were like freezing Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in amber, and yeah. kind of pretending they still had teenagers. But at the same time, the the actors who played Russ and Audrey had essentially moved on, graduated from college, and and had a career. Yeah. Um, Anthony Michael Hall, I think, was doing uh, Dead Zone for USA Network at that time. Um, <laughs> Which is saying something because he was old and not old, but like grown up in yeah, that zone exactly. very much so so like there's no like even playing the oh i just left college and we're gonna do a family vacation exactly, thing <laughs> exactly but so um <clears throat> so they recast the kids i don't know who played russ but i do know who played audrey her name is uh marisol nichols and you and i have both met her at least twice uh she uh now plays um hermione lodge the mother of Veronica Lodge on Riverdale. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so uh, in as much as Vegas Vacation is horrible, um, it did give us uh, Marisol Nichols. So, you know, it's not all bad. (laughs) And it was Ethan Embry who... Oh, shit. Yeah, he was in Empire Records, that thing you do, Timeline, Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, He was the Final Destination guy. Shit, he said. Oh, no, 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 that's um, uh, shit. He played uh, Carter in Walking Dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. But yeah, Ethan Embry's great. Um, I I can't remember who I was mistaking him for from, <laughs> um, uh, from Final Destination. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that was apparently uh, <laughs> apparently even though it was the death knell of uh. Beverly D'Angelo and uh, and uh, Chevy Chase's careers as like mainstream yeah. box office hits. Uh, it did give us those two kind of younger actors, and then uh, yeah. Final Destination later on gave us Devin Sawa. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like my whole my whole point with that rant was like just to realize like how big Chevy Chase was, um, oh, and the fact that like all of these films, which now are like you know three dollar DVDs at Walmart. Um, in that big bin, like, were huge hits um, because, again, they were made for 
probably $25 and made a hundred million bucks or whatever the equivalent was like all of them made a good amount of money. If may, yeah. maybe, maybe spies like us didn't, I don't know. I have some remembrance that spies like us didn't make. Yeah. I feel money. like that was kind but, of a, but at the same time, back then there was a home video market. So yeah. stuff like that didn't matter as much yeah. because it was like, Oh, you, you barely broke even. That's fine. We'll make a hundred million dollars on VHS. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow i didn't realize before he was in vegas vacation uh and even before he was in empire records and kind of exploded ethan Embry was in defending your life oh yeah which is a movie we should talk about sometime because it's I'm down. really great and nobody talks about it ever <laughs> okay so spies like us made um 73 77 million dollars so at that point in time like that was a good amount of fucking money yeah um oh my god wait really (laughs) okay okay so i mean like one of my favorite chevy chase films um is nothing but trouble yeah which is famous and i did not know it bombed that bad um because there's no way that film Oh my God! Yeah, the budget was forty million dollars. I mean, it did yeah. have uh, John Candy, um, it had Demi Moore, it had Dan Aykroyd and um, Chevy Chase, and also just in general, probably was like you watch the film and you're like, yeah, this probably had a budget of yeah. some kind, just because of like physical things that happened. Forty million dollar budget, box office was eight point four million. Oof! I uh, saw that in theaters. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to go back for a moment to uh, I'm going to go back for a moment to Spies Like Us, because one of the things that I was I haven't watched that in probably 20 years. Uh, So one of the things I did not realize is that a bunch of random uh, functionally unnamed characters like minor characters were played. The test monitor is played by Frank Oz who, in addition to being one of the great comedy directors the last 30 years, also uh, was Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and was in Blues Brothers and a bunch of other shit. Um, Dr. Imhouse was Terry Gilliam. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Marston was Ray Harryhausen. And then there were two guards at the drive-in, and that, that was Joel Cohen and Sam Raimi. Christ. Like, there's literally more great directors in <laughs> uncredited functionally roles in Spies Like Us than there are at most Hollywood studios right now. There's just as many great directors as there are famous comedians in the film, and this yeah. film had a shit ton of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> um, and and wow. Bruce Davison's in it who uh, uh, I've talked to a few times, and he is one of the, like, incredibly nice guy, don't get me wrong, one of the worst interviews I've ever done. <laughs> He's one of those guys who, like, doesn't seem to understand how press works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry, also, B.B. King is also in Spies Like Us. Yeah, yeah. But and I, Michael Apted, uh, if you didn't say that guy. And, no, like, no. did they just say, like, fuck it, we're not hiring any actors, we're just going to hire a bunch of just gonna call a bunch of friends and be like bob hope played bob hope in it so you know (laughs) i i I always like the credit bob hope as himself slash golfer (laughs) well i mean that's 
usually the standard one. All right, but, so Fletch. Yeah. Fletch, yeah. Um, uh, this is going to be yeah. one of those episodes where the, the most familiar refrain is just like, hey, we should talk about this movie. <laughs> I mean, this... Uh, <laughs> Fletch, Fletch is one of those films that like I've been I've been wanting to try to figure out how to do something larger um, about 1980s films that dealt with um, that dealt with poverty mm-hmm. um, and dealt with um, not necessarily crime and that sort of kind of world, which is like Robocop and, you know, right. things like that. But like, you know, uh, basically like combining like a handful of the Chevy Chase world films with uh, a lot of the Eddie Murphy films that dealt with um like literally people trying to make it, which is not something necessarily like I try to think about like modern comedies and like most of them are, you know, some form of romantic comedy. And so you don't get, um, you don't get any sort of, it was like, you never see like a poor people's, um, unless there's British, then you see like that. Uh, but like a poor people's romantic comedy or something like that. But like, you know, with the, the, uh, most of Chevy Chase's films, either he's lower class um, if not, you know, I mean, he's a journal. I mean, even here, he's a, he's a famous journalist. So he's, if he didn't have like an ex-wife and like debts and things like that, he'd probably be okay. But like, it's still dealing with the world, um, of like, not, not a fantastic world of, yeah. of like LA is fantastic or whatever. I mean, like, as opposed to like, um, Steve Martin, um, when you have like LA story, which mm-hmm. is still, is very much dealing with, I mean, it's a play on the fantasticness of, of Los Angeles and everything like that. So, I mean, like, that's not a criticism. It's just a, like, that's the way he's looking at it. Um, but I mean, like all of the Eddie Murphy films and, and, uh, like, especially like I was just rewatching, they had a, um, Beverly Hills cop on and things like that, where it's just like the main character is this complete and utter dead, deadbeat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, Detroit cop who comes in, breaks into some rich person's home when they're not away, stays at their house, steals their car sometimes, <laughs> like, and, like, everyone, kind of, like, everyone who's good in the film is def- is working class. And that's, like, yeah. Distinguished Gentlemen, uh, that's Trading Places, you know, right. um, that's all of these films. And it's such an interesting time period i mean like and bill murray's films as well you know i mean like um uh his uh uh, stripes you know i mean like is literally no one in that film probably may has has anything in their savings account which is just like you know i mean it's just because it's like it's this fantastic world where everyone has nothing to lose because they have Mm -hmm. nothing you know physically no money to lose and nothing, you know, and like, fuck it, we might as well try this. And even, even Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like it's built into the thing that like, okay. Yeah. So Aykroyd's character had money that he got from his grandparents or whatever it was. But I think that was only so that they could justify having like equipment (laughs) and the building and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the rest of the movie kind of, was predicated on the fact that like, no, they're fucked if they don't make money. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's, and so it's just like, I, I'm trying to think of like other, other, uh, like more modern either comedies or just interest. I mean, cause I mean like it, like Fletch is definitely a comedy. Most uh, Eddie Murphy's films are definitely comedies. Like they're classified, but films that 
comedies that are also social issues. I mean, like Coming to America is an entire like. I mean, it's satire on a whole bunch of different things, or it's a comment commentary on a whole bunch of things. But I mean, like the royalty coming and living in mm-hmm. a literally a neighborhood that I lived <laughs> lived in in Queens yeah. um, when I when I lived in New York City, um, and hasn't changed much. Um, so, but yeah, I, I have a really random sidetrack because that's the the theme of this episode. But. I have to, like, you're going to understand why I have to say this. Uh, You're talking about, like, the neighborhood you lived in. Um, We talked about uh, uh, Bruce Coville a little bit earlier and uh, how he went to school in Phoenix and blah, blah, blah. Uh, His kid, Adam, uh, went to school at Manlius Pebble Hill, which is a Mm -hmm. private school that's about eight minutes from where I am right now. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me so uh I, that's how i met bruce out, out, outside of just being like somebody who went to my mill my elementary school uh his son was friends with my brother because they were both like super smart kids who got uh scholarships at mph and then were poorly behaved and got kicked out mm-hmm. um so here's the thing in 1970, Manlius Pebble Hill was the result of a merger between the Manlius School, which was an old military academy, and the Pebble Hill School, which is like a, a standard private school. Mm-hmm. Uh, long before that, one of the, the most notable graduates of the Manlius School in DeWitt, New York, was Major Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson, the founder <laughs> of DC Comics. Like, no shit. Like, I'm just like paging through this stuff and being like, wait, <laughs> like this guy went to fucking high school in DeWitt. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know what that means, but I'm just like, wait, yeah. this is a thing that's happening. I'm just like looking at this and going, we've gotten off on random tangents about both of these people. And they both have direct ties to this like fucking <laughs> preppy school. Five minutes from here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did Fletch go there? That's the question. But uh, because that's what we're trying to draw it back to. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it's uh, like it's it's I think that it's, uh, you know, speaking of one of the richer schools and whatever, that Fletch would probably be very it would be, I don't know, something that he would end up being at for some reason and pretending that he was school teacher for some assignment or something <laughs> like that. It seems like right, because MPH is a very uh, oh, preppy yes. private school. I don't even know how much it is now. It's probably like. 20 grand a year or something like that in an area in a when my brother was there uh it was i think seven grand a year that was in the 80s early 90s yeah no Um, i I mean i know i know it was it was more i i know it's more expensive than my sister's uh catholic school and uh yeah so (laughs) (laughs) um basically you you could afford yeah anyway it doesn't matter but um (laughs) it's uh you know it's it's its own um it like I find it interesting that we haven't um, kind of reached back to that as we delve into, like, I mean, 2009, we had an economic crash, mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, things got better in quotes, but I mean, like, I think we all know nothing really changed over the no. last, like, 10, you know, over the last 10, 11, 12 years. Um, and, and, like, now we're in another economic crisis. And, and I get it that 
obviously films aren't being made now, but like, I don't know. I'm just kind of surprised that we haven't had a little bit more of a gritty, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like maybe Seth Rogen is the best is like that kind of world of things where, but it's all hipsters and it's not about, it's not a family comedy. It's not, I mean, like obviously whether or not Fletch or America, you know, I guess family vacation is definitely a family comedy type of thing. Um, but like, it's not like Seth Rogen films are meant for a very specific audience. Right. And that's it. Like they're not thinking that. Like, I mean, although I, I, I will say Rogen, uh, as he ages has been doing a really good job of becoming like a, a kind of an all purpose producer. Yeah. Like he's, he's the EP on, uh, preacher, which obviously oh, his production is, work. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm mean, like his own, like. You know, st- um, uh, you know, like, or, you know, I mean, like even Judd Ap- Apatow and things like that, like his films aren't, they're definitely like all of them are for, I would definitely believe, like poverty is a, it's a circumstance, mm-hmm. not a plot point. Like right. in um, Knocked Up, um, like his, which I guess combines both of them, but I mean, like, he, like the fact that he's poor is not part of the kind of the plot it's yeah it's just a platform for humor it's a factor for why he's an underachiever yeah 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 and and, in and of itself is like a a it's a value judgment yeah and the only reason that and like many of these many of his films are like the only reason that they are broke is because they're slackers not because like in all of all of like most of the 1980s films is because there's a fucking economy like there's this whole thing going on and it has nothing to do with it has you know i mean like i mean obviously with fletch it's a little bit of a like he's got debts and things like that and it's not whatever but like the entirety of the film is for the most part is poor versus rich and he is as a journalist the kind of the middle guy who obviously is poor but not but he's still defending the, you know, whatever, just like in trading places and, and all the, and, and, uh, um, and the Eddie Murphy films and everything, you know, and all these films. And, and it's interesting that I, I'm kind of surprised that we've never, and again, if anyone's listening this far into this podcast, like if there's a correction, I mean, if somebody can think of a couple films, but I mean, like, you know, sci-fi, I think deals with this better, you know, than, than anything else, like immediately, um, uh upgrade i think has like feels like this a little bit but even there like his wife um in upgrade is very well off i would assume you know i mean like just based on the you know their home and everything like that because i would assume that he's not making cash to live at this this very nice house like fixing classic automobiles and things like that obviously he's making a lot of money per automobile but like it's not like you know yeah it's always hard to know because like that is a uh, ostensibly like that's one of those things where you're like no that really probably does pay a, a, an absurd I, but amount. it's like but within the within the upgrade it's definitely implied that like he finally sold one like it has yeah it has implications in it that like oh okay so we have this cool rich guy so i mean like yeah i'm sure he made bank on that one but like clearly her car is the really nice uh, yeah. all these things but yeah um so but, uh, uh so let's talk a little bit about uh, Fletch. <laughs> um, 
one one of the things that I think uh, so again this is Chevy Chase's like big uh, I'm gonna be charming kind of part as opposed to I'm gonna be bumbling, and then you got uh, Wheeler Nicholson who is just a stunner and her job is to be hot. You got uh, uh, shit West Wing guy, <laughs> um, and like. It's so funny because, like, uh, I always have a difficult time uh, kind of differentiating between uh, between him and uh, the guy from The Breakfast Club. Uh, Because there's these two actors who both kind of existed in this space in the 80s where they were preppy, like self-important guys but they, they 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 played it very differently but at the same time you have uh <clears throat> excuse me you have tim matheson kind of doing it one way and then you have the guy from uh the guy who played dick Vernon in the breakfast club doing it an entirely different way but they look so much alike and they their characters are so much alike that it's always a thing um guys i, I i've been talking a lot about tim matheson and and Dick Vernon and and mostly that's because Zach has gone to refill his drink or something. I don't know. I can't see him. Um, fun piece of trivia in the movie That Thing You Do, which features uh, Legends of Tomorrow star Jonathan Sheck and uh, the music of the late great Adam. Uh, shoot, I can't remember his his last name, but the the guy from Fountains of Wayne who passed away due to coronavirus. Uh, the, there was a bass player in the movie played by Ethan Embry, uh, which is the kind of thing that you notice when you leave Ethan Embry's uh, IMDb page open for a very long time. <clears throat> that was actually the last movie he did right before he did uh, Vegas Vacation, so that's kind of fun. Um, hey, I was just talking about Ethan Embry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yes i was i completely agree russ on everything that you said that's all right i already said you walked off somewhere oh, okay. <laughs> i was i was filling time that's and I mean. in the course of filling time it's funny i actually followed a line of logic that if i hadn't revealed uh that you were gone Probably yeah. wouldn't have felt too out of place in this episode where we're wandering all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. as soon as you showed up and I tried to explain it to you, I, I couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I somehow, I was like, I, I went from Ethan Embry, who of course was in uh, Vegas Vacation, and we yeah. had an IMDb page open, and I noted that he appeared in That Thing You Do. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Then I just started talking about that thing you do and how, like, Colleen Atwood from that movie was the one who designed all the costumes for the Arrowverse superheroes. And uh, uh, the, the music, the pop music, the, that song was written yeah. by a guy from Fountains of Wayne from uh, Josie and the Pussycats who just passed away recently <laughs> due to coronavirus. And it was just a whole long thing. And I actually held it together all the way until you sat down. <laughs> and <then> just <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. It's at some point I think we just need to start doing like six degrees um episodes where it's just like we start with a character and then just start talking or t- start with either an actor or a character and start like going through their IMDb page and being like, oh yeah, and then and then um uh Miss uh Mrs. Suffle had um <laughs> had Dana that, Wheeler that, Nicholson and it's as well. That is Mel Gibson. Remember that, that time that he said that thing to that police officer? Oh man. <laughs> That might be what I do with Fletch in this episode. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> completely... Okay, so... But I, um, one thing... I, I mean, I apologize because I don't know where you went with that. But, I mean, like, one thing I was actually surprised I, I, with this it film... It literally was... I was praising the work of Tim Matheson. And then yeah. I went from Tim Matheson to the guy who played Dick Vernon in The Breakfast Club and how they basically are the same person. <laughs> and... I, I went to IMDb to try and find the name of Dick Vernon. I never did because I got distracted by Ethan Embry. <laughs> I like one thing I was actually kind of surprised in this film is the is the pacing was so slow, mm-hmm. um, and like kind of how they like they meander the way this podcast has maybe not as bad um, or as long. We um, did that on but, purpose. <laughs> yes, yes, that is part of the bit. Um, but um, also, but Paul Gleason plays Richard Vernon in The Breakfast Club. Okay. He also appeared in Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, 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 and in Trading Places. There you go. It Bring it around. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, that, that was the whole point of that conversation was to bring it around to my conversation about uh, poverty in the 19, in 1980s films. Uh, there you go, Russ. <laughs> I mean, please. But I mean, like it, you know, it, it it's it's like because uh, the um, Beverly Hills Cops uh, films for some reason have been on. Um, yeah. Some fucking channel. I don't know what one, but uh, Paramount probably. Um, it's and, probably Annie, where they can't afford to put anything else on because they lost all that viewership after canceling the shitty show about cops. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the show that like literally not to go down for rand on this one, but like the show that one of the reasons why like that show was like specifically been like holy shit is that they deleted footage of a be- of like a, a police either oh, murdering murder. yeah. or beating the shit out of someone. No, they deleted murder. the footage. Yeah. Yeah, murdering. It was Mur- it was murdering. Okay, yeah. Like and so like yeah, fuck that show. Fuck those producers. Fuck everyone involved in that production. I hope fuck everyone who are jobs. whining and who are acting like it's the best thing in the world that A&E lost viewership. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like uh fuck that shit. Um but yeah, it's all propaganda and that's that's it. Um, and this coming from a person who's like literally probably spends more time with law and order than I do with any other person, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is a problem. <laughs> um, it somehow it doesn't fuck me up, uh, <laughs> like change my love. I mean, if Lenny Bruce Briscoe, I ran into Lenny Briscoe in the street, you know, God rest his soul. Um, I probably would have some weird problem where I'm like, <gasps> but, uh. <laughs> Considering I, Facebook, Facebook recently reminded me of a of a of a post from like four years ago. You know, like what I want to do with my career is become the Lenny Briscoe of photojournalism. <laughs> like I don't get that. I don't I, understand what that means. But <laughs> I, I I just want the Lenny Bruce Lenny Briscoe crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, 
Yeah, that's that's been a bunch. A couple of old people have been posting about Lenny Bruce and cancel culture, and I'm like, no. oh man, why do I feel like you don't understand Lenny Bruce? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My favorite though, and this is again, we're talking about Fletch here, but and I mean, I guess you know, I guess cancel culture and and Chevy Chase has something relevancy, but somebody was posting about how um, uh, George Carlin would have been a Trump voter and would never deal with all this shit. And Kelly, who is a fantastic Kelly Carlin, his yeah. daughter, is a fantastic person. I fucking love her. Um, and uh, like we we've the few like I think the two times we've met, like we've got along wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she just posted me like, yeah, no, he wouldn't have been. He hate would have hated all of you people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, as somebody who has more of a nuanced idea of George Carlin than like maybe if you listen to his last album, which was like super weird, yeah. um, which was just like old man cranky, like ranting about things and like as opposed to like all of his other work and like anyway, but that's not Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is, is a person who is, hasn't learned from from cancel <laughs> 30 years of like of like going, hey, maybe um, you have to become a better person even though, uh, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, what do you but, know uh, about that? I, uh, but the, like the, the, I mean, for some reason, like the pacing thing really hooked on me. And then I watched, um, Beverly Hills cop and Beverly Hills cop two. And I was just like, Oh, like the pacing is definitely obviously quicker there because it's chase. There's mm-hmm. chase like genuine. Yeah, chase that's, that's things like that. But it's still like much where the, the, the chase scenes are like him being like stalked along the beach. Yeah, but and 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 it's just like not even like even the edits are like thirty sec you know twenty second edits as opposed to like a normal chase scene of any level even like forties or something like that would have been like ten seconds ten seconds you know sort of thing but like it's it's interesting like with eighties films just the way the build like there's definitely a editing arc on most of those films on that they get faster and they get like a little bit more intense towards the end. Which um, Fletch didn't have as much um, as like um, which which is funny because like again going to the book which like I am not judging this compared to the book the movie is fantastic the book is fantastic they are nothing alike yeah Um, so I'm not judging this based on the book but again going to the (laughs) book one of the things that's really interesting about how kind of slowly the the movie unfolds is that the book unfolds kind of slowly. But because they didn't, you know, for the movie, they needed to cram everything into like an 80s comedy timeline. So they blended all these storylines and it's like the romance and the drug dealer and the cops are all one thing. Yeah. And in the book, it's like there's so much plot. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it plots along for a little while. But once it starts to to, to speed up, it feels like uh, this ball rolling down the hill. Like, it's hard to keep up with the book because you're like, yeah. no, there's so much shit happening right now. The movie, because they needed to combine a lot of stuff in order to kind of make it digestible and understandable, which, again, I'm not saying is a bad thing. I understand why they had to. Yeah. But because they had to do that, it, it means that the pacing never really picks up because all of the stuff that theoretically should have sped along the third act – now yeah. it's all part of the same kind of like little box of things that they're eventually going to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, and it's interesting. I mean, like, I think this goes into like the whole eighties kind of uh, grab bag, but like um, the weird, cause I mean, even, 
even uh, RoboCop um, has a weird take on cops. Yeah. Um, that I'm not quite sure. Like, if you watch the 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 remake, which is not good. Um, yeah. Like, just like you know I mean, like, there's a great you know what I mean, like, I think it's you know maybe at some point we should do like a total recall RoboCop like four Stop. film thing because uh um although that would make having to rewatch the total recall ugh, <laughs> remake oh my god um I, I would just rewatch colin farrell's episode of psych and call it a, or not psych uh, scrubs and call it a day <laughs> i like colin farrell too like i genuinely i was like excited no, for that film and it was like uh, oh, but no. he did that right after he had done that werewolf remake god what was it uh, uh oh, god, moon, yeah i know moon uh, anyway yeah. Yeah. Like he he had two like eighties remakes in a row, neither of which was even remotely good, and it yeah. was uh, it was a thing. Yeah, and they did the lobster, which was fantastic. Um, but Shit, forgot he was in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like weird that that wasn't a remake or anything like that, but just like what the fuck is this film? Um, but it was great. Um, but uh, the weird um, just within this era, obviously, we're having, you know, a whole conversation about police forces and things like that. Yeah. I mean, like literally like there's a line. Somebody yells, somebody yells, hug a cop. And Fletch says, Russ, your favorite phrase. Um, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Yeah. Um, and which, like, which for anybody who doesn't know me, I, I say that is. at the drop of a hat. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll say that yeah. yeah exactly the, the the most the most kind of frequent thing is when people offer me a receipt at the grocery store i'll be like, no i'm not trying to quit um <laughs> but it's so it's, i mean so it's been like it's very interesting because i mean like even beverly hills cop has like uh definitely has a it's a pro cop film not in the way that like a lot of pro cop films are though like there's yeah. no the heroes are all basically criminals like i mean like yeah. all of them are committing criminals crimes and everything like that but also like it's the complete inactivity which is like obviously a running theme of die hard all, all these things where it's yeah. like oh cops don't want to do the right thing so the one guy has to do that that thing but like you know i mean eddie murphy's character in Beverly hills cop is there's a continual line of jokes especially in the second one about going well you know i wasn't always a cop and yeah. that's why he knows how to break into a house and that's why he knows how to uh, you know start a car without keys and things like that and and you know i mean like so many films within within an era were like i i just like there's like a lot of jokes and a lot of things that happen that i'm just like the number of cops that get shot number of cops that get killed yeah uh, within <clears throat> car chases especially was there, there's a handful of car chases in this film um yeah that but at least one cop yeah. like completely flips over and i'm like which is always like the end of the film where i'm like oh the guy becomes a hero or whatever and i'm like wait a minute he very likely murdered one cop uh, yeah how is he walking away from this you know yeah. like i get that he's like i was re-watching and this is completely off the, uh not shockingly off the subject but i was re-watching the fugitive and um, which is still stands up as a great, I think of it is a very great solid film. Um, and Harrison Ford doing his best finger wagging of, I, and, I think of any film. And starring, uh, starring the great uh, shit. I started this joke. Neil Flynn, uh, who played the janitor on Scrubs. <laughs> there you go. 
my whole purpose here is just to bring every tangent back to another tangent so that yes exactly that's that's so if anyone ever wants to diagram out our our madness oh my god that would be great (laughs) (laughs) uh if we had that sort of level of followership followers right i would like obsessively i would be able to sell advertising (laughs) (laughs) exactly i wouldn't be losing money paying to host oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) i'd be able to stop doing journalism that ends up me getting tear gassed and shit like that but anyway that would be nice um (laughs) i'd be able to enter a whole nother level of uh rancid fandom (laughs) go from from white nationalism to film people (laughs) I, I'm not sure which one is worse. I, I I have long said that I can deal I can actually deal with white nationalism better than I can deal with uh, Star Wars fans. Yeah. Like that's that's actually a base. Like because like I can wrap my head around because there's a history, there's a whole kind of world and everything like that. Yeah. Also, there's like a weight of like problems that are like well, there's like a there's genocide, there's things happening about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like Star Wars is just as vile and just as terrible to everybody. Um, obviously, people don't end up dead yet. Um, but like that sort of thing. So I'm like, obviously, one's different. I'm not. Believe me. Yeah. Um, for this yeah. clip. Um, but like, I mean, it's, that, that's the joke, though. <laughs> like, yeah. Where it's just like no one like that's like end of the day. Like, you know what? I, I'm really passionate about a lot of films. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking movie. <laughs> Like, no one cares. Like, why? Like, as a person who, like, went to film school, still wants to, still would dream of making a movie one day, an actual movie, not a documentary, like, one day in my lifetime, has movie posters, collect DVDs. I'm like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) I, like, tomorrow, if somebody, like, if I got into a fight, like, somebody thinks that Ready, I don't know, fucking Ready or Not, is the worst film ever, I'd be like... I disagree with your opinion. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? Why are you so angry? Yeah. Uh, like, at least I, like, get the whole, like, like the 700 or 1500 years worth of race science and insanity that goes along with racism, where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I get why you're, like, ready to, like, be angry on the internet about this issue. I don't necessarily get why you're angry that Ray kissed huh. somebody. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? get some other <laughs> fucking part of your life. <laughs> like <laughs> as a former person who film was their entire life, like yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> get a dog, go for a dog walk, like call it a day. <laughs> uh, right. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> let me just say, uh, and we've kind of touched on this, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Fletch is one of the great comedies of the 80s. Uh, oh. It's it's it really is like as a film, it's really tight. Again, the thing that the things that bother me as a fan of the books that where it's like, oh, you change this or you condense that or you merge these two things. Um, nowadays, that wouldn't happen. But back then, it makes complete sense. Like, of course, like you're going to blend the plot of Stanwick and the plot of the, the corrupt cops because like. No, it's a bunch of rich guys who are doing white-collar crimes. So if you put them together, it, it saves you time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And so a lot of the things that, that to me, as a, a fan of the books, I'm, I'm like specifically like, ah, that would have been better if you blah, blah, doesn't fucking matter. Like, that's what makes the movie work because like it was 1985 and you're not going to get like a two hour and 20 minute version of yeah. this. Where I, I would, I would just like, I would also, as a person who's never read the book, like mm-hmm. you telling me that I'm like, often you're like, oh, that would be a better thing. I don't necessarily think that like as a person who's never has no involvement in the book, like like it, whether it be the Harry Potter not, you know, series or whether it be Hunger Games or whatever, any of these books like Golden Compass is one that's like, oh, there's a really important part. And it's like they missed that in the film. And obviously they were able to do that in the miniseries um, better. But like like I think that like, again, as you're saying, like the 80s, yeah. everything that's involved in this, like. The idea of adding like a dual plotline thing, oh man, I don't know how that would have worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rough, and it it, it yeah. is one of those things where you're like, okay, so as somebody who enjoys these books and who thinks like, no, this is a like this is a genuinely enjoyable whatever, uh, you don't necessarily want to immediately dismiss out of hand that like this is a thing that you could do easily. Yeah. But I do look at it and I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't fucking work. Like in this in the space of the 80s, like it doesn't work. Like in the space of the kind of movie they were making, in the space of like a fucking Chevy Chase movie, none like that book doesn't work. And you could argue that maybe you should do something else and not adapt that book then. But like, yeah, fuck it. Like I, I cover comic book movies and comic book TV shows all the time where it's just like people bitch and moan about weird little random changes and it it really has conditioned me to be like no like do what's best for the fucking show or the movie or the you know yeah also and one of the great things about all of these things and and like this has always been my adage and i think both of our adages kind of about superman batman all these things right there's there's always one for you and like there's if there's going to be another Fletch, then fucking great. Like maybe they'll add, you know, like a little bit more of that end of the things or whatever. It's Superman. You know, it's just like everybody has their own Superman. If it's if it's, uh, you know, the 80s, if it's the 90s, if it's the 2000s and the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool. Same thing with the Batmans. Like, like that's that's what one of the reasons I think I don't know when I wish I could kind of figure out like at what year. I kind of came to that like idea because I know that like when I was in film school and that like even years after that, I was like, no, this is the only way. And I'm angry that they didn't do it this way. And like, I was kind of one of those people and thank fucking Lord, there wasn't social media to speak of. um, Because I think that like 100% would have turned me into a fucking YouTube commentator (laughs) that 100% I would have a YouTube channel and um, God knows what I'd be spouting if if that existed back in like 2001 when, you know, Fight Club and I'm trying to think of the other film, like all the films of 1999 basically were coming out and were out on DVD. And like, that's the only thing I was watching. Like, oh, dear Lord. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I I feel like we could just stop talking or pretending to talk about Fletch. Um, <laughs> Have we talked about Fletch? We have not. No, not even at all. However, uh, the idea here was really just to talk about the idea of Fletch because there's a reboot coming out. Um, 
the tweet that you were responding to when you asked me to kind of reply to it was I had I had kind of mentioned that like when confess Fletch happens, he's like twenty five and it's weird mm-hmm. that Hollywood's instinct is to be like, oh no, fuck it. Like we're gonna go with John Ham. Yeah. Um I, I do get the idea that like Ham is a great actor. I think he'll do a good job of it. He'll kill it. Um, this is a conversation I have all the time because one of my favorite comic book characters is, is Booster Gold. Yeah. And every time somebody fan casts Booster, it's always like, fucking Nathan Fillion! And I'm like, no, because Nathan Fillion is 100 years old. And Booster's origin is wrapped up in the fact that he got caught cheating or, or betting on his college football game. Like, Booster needs to be X age in order to work. Yeah, um, I mean... No disagreement. He would have been fucking fantastic. Oh, absolutely. What, in like Firefly days, maybe. Like, maybe? Like, yeah. I don't even know about that. Um, but because at least now you could de-age. And, but I don't. Anytime I hear the de-age, I'm like, no. After the Irishman. Oh, my yeah. God. The fact, that, the fact that there's a percentage of the population that thinks that that was okay worries me deeply about like our nation's eyesight it's 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 funny this is a scenario (laughs) where uh i i am 100 percent more on board with marvel than with uh scorsese because like marvel knows how to do that and to minimize it so that it's like no we need 14 seconds of dh kurt douglas for the scene and then we're not gonna go further than that just to show we can yeah you know (laughs) or like <clears throat> also, you pick people who are like, like Kirk Douglas. I, uh, um, like not um, too Michael much. Douglas. Sorry, no. Michael Douglas. Yes, yeah, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Uh, I was thinking, uh, but, but like, but like, especially like, I think about like uh, Sam Jackson, like who I'm like, mm-hmm. I could see it when they de- yeah. they de-aged him, but it was just like he also is a motherfucker who isn't aged in. Yeah, yeah, like same I mean, Catarese, but he's also like is, you look at is, like I was rewatching, uh, I was just watching um, do the right thing, and I'm like, yeah, oh my god, he's aged like 20 years in like 40. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the thing of it there too is uh, because he has at that time he wasn't a superstar like he is now. He was a character actor, and yeah. so 20 years ago when he was that age. He worked all the time. And so you have like 15 things you can go back to and digitally map his whole face and body. And so uh, it, it is a weird situation. And again, Kirk Doug- or Michael, Michael Douglas is similar in the sense, like he, didn't, he never had that point in time where he was a nobody. And so he took any jobs at pay. hustle that I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. In Guardians. Because um, then they do. Didn't they do him for Guardians too? They did for like twenty seconds. Yeah. yeah exactly. They did like exactly the right amount. And yeah, he's another right. one of those fuckers who's like aged as much. Yeah. Exactly. That's the other thing is like you could probably have just colored his hair a little bit and been like, yeah. no, fuck it, you're yeah. twenty five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna go grab your daughter and make her your wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I watched Almost Famous last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny. I actually, uh, somebody in my Twitter feed today was talking about singles. And I was just like, oh, shit. 
like I watched Almost Famous last night, and and Cameron Crowe is fucking everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, to 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 bring a conclusion to something we never ever discussed, um, Fletch is in general a great '80s comedy. It's it's a little dated. Yeah. by standards there are certainly things that don't work in it i wouldn't say it's nearly as dated as the book and that the things that don't work are not nearly as kind of strong as in the book it's funny yeah. because you look at like a lot of the like he's like gaslighting the girlfriend and you justify it because he's an investigative journalist he kind of needs to otherwise his whole thing doesn't work yeah um <clears throat> and nowadays we would judge that in a way that we didn't in the 80s but like you look at the book, it's from the 70s, and it's like, oh, no, it's so much more dramatic in the book. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the relationship between him and Gina Davis is, like, mm-hmm. weird. Um, By the like, way, she's... Gina Davis's character does not exist in the books. Yeah, no, I'm um, surprised on that. Yeah. There probably is somebody, like, somewhere in the editorial office that, like, flirts with that, like, you could associate her with. But for all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure that what they did is they made Gina Davis the 15 year old they gave her the like oh the, here's the handful of cutesy like moments between the two that aren't super creepy and we'll just like instead of having her be a 15 year old who ods it's like she's the grown-up in the room yes <laughs> um god who's the guy who plays frank jaffe in this movie because that's one of the things before we hang up we should absolutely praise the guy who plays frank jaffe because it's He's fucking great in this. Um, hold on. Um, the editor at, the, by the way, uh, uh, Frank Jaffe is Fletch's editor. Um, and it's funny because when I was younger, I did. Uh, so I was in this creative writing class, and uh, oh, it's Frank Walker in the film. There you go. Um, what uh, else? Richard uh, Libertini. Who uh, looks like it did Columbo, Popeye, <laughs> Ducktales? Um, Life is like a hurricane. <laughs> a lot of fucking TV. Holy shit! Mm. But yeah, he was—he's great. Um, yeah, his name is Frank Walker in the movie. Yeah, I wonder if there's like some weird legal reason why, like, oh, he he blamed himself. He he called, he named. Frank Jaffe after some duty knew or something. And if you go to, to, to the Frank Walker uh, like quotes page on IMDb, yeah. there is just a fantastic shot of Libertini um, ranting. Uh, that is, I'll, I'll have to try and use that as the cover image for this episode. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, wow. Awakenings, Bonfire of the Van- Vanities... He's he's one of those great character actors that you're like, yeah, yeah. He was in Nell, yeah, again, like, uh, which is one of those weird films that I still remember to this day because I saw it in the theaters and I like at 13 and it's not one of those films that like makes sense to. It's a Michael yeah. Apton film, <laughs> like <laughs> Jodie Foster, Liam Neeson. Jodie Foster doesn't speak like anyway, but like she's she grows up with a stroke uh, mother who had a stroke victim and then like. I, I think if I remember correctly, Liam Ninson plays a psychiatrist or something that hmm. like tries to bring her into humanity and like like she's not it's not like she's feral or anything like that, right. but just doesn't speak like eh, she's a little bit, but um man, 
that was like to end the wind jay to end the wind like such a weird film to see at 13 but when you had an <laughs> aunt like like i mean like i had an aunt that like wanted to see like basically he's a huge film buff which is why i'm yeah. a huge film buff and um and basically like was just like okay well i'm watching you so you're gonna come along to see this film so <laughs> that's why i saw um oh my god i'm trying to remember what film it was um I saw so many art films when I was like five at the manliest cinema, like things like that. Like where I was just like, I, I don't remember anything from it. <laughs> but boxing. What the fuck is that film? It's by the guy, Lasse Hellstrom's, um, he had a oh, film about oh. a young child box, a, a girl that wanted to box. And so like, yeah, there's I a can lot. Picture the, I Oh my God. I'm blinking on the name of the film dog something, but, um, no, 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 no. Uh, that was uh, uh, not Lasse Hellstrom. That was Quinn Escasti guy, right? The um, ninety-five film theory or something, whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but like it was one of those films where I'm like afterwards, like I rewatched it when I was older, and I'm like, there's child nudity in this film. <laughs> like, I like she's so... eleven or twelve, and like there's a almost full frontal shots. I mean, it's Swedish and it's. 80s and so like it's filled there's something that would be very controversial now but like in the 80s it was like it's art film and i'm like yeah i was six (laughs) so (laughs) anyway fletch uh in in fletch (laughs) there's no child nudity well no because it's not a direct adaptation of the book Chevy, come on. You see what I did? Um, um, But so here's the thing. Um, One of the uh, one of the actors in this movie, which uh, I'm trying to look up who he was because I cannot remember his name for the life of me. M. Emmett Walsh. uh, Who uh, he's one of those guys like he passed away a few years ago, but you would recognize him immediately if you wait. Shit. He didn't pass away. He just retired, apparently. Yeah. Um, he hasn't worked. Oh, shit. No, wait. I'm 100% wrong. He was in fucking Knives Out. How did I miss that? Anyway, um, M. Emmett Walsh, who continues to act to this day. <laughs> uh, he's, For legal reasons, we must correct that. Yeah. He was also in Adventure Time. <laughs> Oh, he was do- he was the doctor, the the Moon River, yeah, yeah, yeah. doctor. Um, yeah. he's one of those guys. If you look at his, he's again another one of those like character actors where you're just like, holy fuck, his career yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Like just going backwards from Fletch, yeah. um, he had small roles in Silkwood, Blade Runner. Cannery Row, Reds, Ordinary People, Brubig, Jerk. Yeah, uh, uh, that. Well, that's that's the other way. But yeah, yeah. fucking the the fish that saved Pittsburgh Airport. He was 70. in fucking Twilight, my best friend's wedding. Like, <laughs> was he in that Twilight? I thought he was in a different Twilight. Oh, I, I, I just saw Twilight. Yeah, yeah, no, 1998. That was oh, way too early. 90, it wasn't that Twilight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, it was also the. Oh, good that's Twilight. the fucking one with Sarandon and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Newman, uh, Sarandon, and Hack. Yeah, Hack Paul Newman. Like Jesus Christ, that. Like. Which uh, I've never albino, seen. Uh, Alligator, yeah, A Time to Kill, Portraits of a Killer, 
Um, but this guy, like, he's he's yeah. literally one of those actors who it's like, no, I can't tell you M. Emmett Walsh and it means anything to you unless you're like a cinemaphile. But if you were to look at a photo of him yeah. at literally any age, because even now that he's like 80 or something, he carries with him like the general appearance of when he was younger. Like, you could look at any picture of him and be like, oh, that fucking guy. Um, <laughs> He looks nearly the same. He's one of those guys that like maxed out at like uh, at like fifty, and yeah. then you're like, oh, he looks basically. Now all it is is his character. gray hair got whiter and longer. Like, yeah, exactly. He also was in the 1990 Flash series. He played Henry Allen. Oh shit, that's right. Do you know who <laughs> plays Henry Allen in the current Flash series? Who was that? John Wesley Shipp, who played the Flash on the 1990 show. Because Henry is Barry's dad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, Sneaky Pete, Adventure Time, the 2010 version of Pound Puppies, which is funny because when I saw that he was on the soundtrack of a Pound Puppies show, yeah. I just assumed it was the old one and went yeah. to see what episodes he was in and who he might have been. No, no, no. He's in the soundtrack of the one where he was 80 fucking years old when he made it. <laughs> I was actually like pulling back and I'm like, was he in the original too? And like, it's like a callback. No, but yeah. holy shit. Like ordinary people, reds, um, yeah. like blade. Run- yeah. Like you said, blade runner, silkwood, blood, simple, Popa green, uh, Greenwich village. Like, I mean, all of these films, I think he had like exactly the same like level of role that he had in Fletch, which is like five minutes. And, um, but God damn. I, I don't know what this is, but I absolutely must watch it now. He was in a movie from 2016 uh, called it, – it's a mockumentary with uh, Tony Hale and Adam Pally from uh, the – what do you call it? Uh, Happy Endings. Yeah. And it's called Captain America Civil War Reenactors. I, I saw that. I didn't. <laughs> Whatever this fucking thing is, I need to see it. Yeah. Oh my god, he was. Oh my god, he was in Alice's Restaurant. He was the Group W. Sergeant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I, I, I meant to get there, and then that is actually yeah. probably where I like. I probably originally yeah. for him. Maybe yeah. not. I'm trying to remember whether I saw Fletch or whether I saw Alice's Restaurant first. I, I probably saw, saw Fletch, Fletch first, first, honestly. Um. Uh, but. I, I don't think I saw Alice's Restaurant until I was like 20 or 21. I think the first time I saw Alice's Restaurant was after you shared with me the uh, Alice's Restaurant Revisited CD where he incorporated the Richard Nixon verse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I always uh, forget, you're one of my proudest converts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here, here, here's a fun, random Alice's Restaurant thing that Zach absolutely knows, but most yeah. people know. Um, you 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 want to tell them the Norman Rockwell thing? Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I know so, it, but yeah, go ahead. So Norman Rock Norman Rockwell actually, uh, most of his his paintings were done in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, which is the the setting for Alice's Restaurant. If you haven't heard Alice's Restaurant, it's a 1969 song by Arlo Guthrie, the son of Woody Guthrie. And uh, what are you doing with your life? You should be <laughs> listening to that every fucking Thanksgiving. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a comedic kind of dramatized version of how Arlo and a bunch of his friends got arrested uh, on Thanksgiving for littering 
uh, by a local cop who uh, had busted them for essentially dropping a bunch of shit after the, the, the dump, which was closed, wouldn't let them in. And uh, the, the song refers to the cop as Officer Obi. Yep. Uh, the, the, the guy is Officer William Obenheim. And William Obenheim uh, plays himself in the Alice Restaurant movie because it's actually a dude who exists. But also, he is the cop in the, the famous Norman Rockwell painting of the cop at the soda fountain with the little black kid where they're, like, look, looking at each other cutely. It's a little white kid. A little oh, white is it white? Right? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Norman Rockwell doesn't really paint people of color. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, there wasn't, you know, I mean, that's not what he was doing it for. So, I mean, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I don't in know. In my what... brain, he was black for some reason. But, yeah, in any event, uh, the, the the shot of the kid of the kid and the cop, the kid who's, like, running away from home or whatever, he's got the like, little bindle at, the, at his feet, and the cop at the soda fountain, that's Officer Obi from Alice's Restaurant, uh, yep. which also features uh, M. Emmett Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's uh, bringing it around is what we call it for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's an actual photo. Um, if This is not going to help any of you who are listening to this podcast, but we're sharing like an actual photo of, of Obi um, sta- uh, sitting next to the young boy, which is the photo that um, he used for the uh, Norman Rockwell used for the cover of uh, the Saturday Evening Post back when All that right. was a thing. Yeah, so um, and so Fletch that has a lot to do with it. And uh... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: like, I, I, I feel like Fletch was just a pretense for an episode. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah because no, like, okay, there's a remake coming. It's a movie that we are gonna just acknowledge as good. And then this is our jumping off point for discussion. Now, granted, I never thought we would go this far afield this often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But but it is something that we do occasionally on a uh, on a podcast or two. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is this is why I think that our like we miss our driving podcast, which is like we have a point. We started exactly. a movie theater and, and we were yeah. going to Wegmans, and then there's a length of time at which we can sit in a Wegmans parking lot before it becomes weird. Yeah. Um, and then we <laughs> go inside, and that's the length of the podcast. But but otherwise, we're just like I'm like, oh man, that reminds me of this thing and whatever for like you know two hours. But yeah, until um, comes back. But yeah, no, I mean it's uh, like I think this is something we should. I think. Uh, I'd really like us to delve more into 80s films because not only because it's like, holy shit, it's 40 years now. Like a lot yeah. of these films, like anniversary wise, not that like, yeah. not that that's something we've like really ever done too much yeah, on. But we should um, because that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously it's a you know a click. I mean, we we, we probably so. should do a uh, because we are inevitably going to do a thing on uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. We, we should probably do an episode where we break down uh, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. Now, spoilers, we like those movies, but I, I do think that we could say something about it that isn't just we like these movies. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's it's I mean, how those movies influence anyway, like obviously that's something we'll get into. So I won't get into yeah. it, but like how those movies influenced future time travel films and, and things like that is uh, uh, within the weird ups like weird era of time travel mm-hmm. um which again seems to go into generational thing like i can't think of these were both 80s right 
Uh, Bill Watch and Bill and Ted. No, in Bill and Ted. The oh book no, 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 Bill and no, eighty nine, ninety one. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like I'm trying to think of like anything deeper in the '90s that was like more time travel, and I. I will say one of the things that was, and I, I, I am a hundred percent certain of this because like I didn't, I know I didn't pull it down. One of the things that was hanging on the wall at Forty Cliffside when it got demolished, yeah. um, was an autographed Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey poster. Oh, fuck. Um, and the reason I didn't pull it down is because it was personalized to like. I don't know, some random woman. And, like, Alex Winter personalized it as, like, to the hottest fucking babe I've ever seen or something, which <laughs> I assume, like, I, forever. I'll have to ask Alex if he remembers this. Um, <laughs> but, like, I've always assumed it was just, like, no, this is, like, some 70-year-old lady who was, like, in craft services and asked him to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in any event, because it was, like, personalized, I didn't value it the way that I should. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh... <laughs> I mean, mind you, I also had a um, Miller's Crossing first print oh, God, poster hanging on the wall, which I ended up having, which was my aunt, who I was bar- like kind of borrowing, sort of whatever, like bar- kind of borrowing, hoping that she would just give it to me because she knew it was like one of my favorite films. And occasionally she'll be like, just take the poster. But yeah. then I like when I finally was like, oh, my God, I should really replace this. How much is this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's eighty five dollars. <laughs> and I replaced it. I replaced it with a perfect condition poster. She has it. I don't have one currently, which <laughs> still drives me nuts because that poster is now gone through the roof um, oh, sure. because of age and also just general, Fucking, you know, yeah. like Cohen's Cohen yeah. brothers, like after um, uh, probably after um, Oh Brother, Where Out Thou, like everybody was like, oh, the Cohen brothers are these guys that direct good films. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. so, yeah, it sucks, but. Right. Any final? <laughs> I can't say it without laughing. Any final, final thoughts? thoughts. <laughs> well, um, no, I can't think of another rant off. Um, as I started this thing, uh, God only knows how many hours ago at this point. Um, but <laughs> two and twenty-eight minutes. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, no. I mean, if you haven't seen Fletch, God does just see Fletch. Um, don't yeah, and, necessarily. All. I mean, the All the other one. stuff we talked about kind of notwithstanding, it, it really is one of the handful of movies from this era that really ages well. I mean, even the really great films, uh, there's there's a very limited number from the 70s and 80s that age well. Because, like, I was actually talking about this with somebody earlier today about the death of Superman comics from 1992. Like, the way comics were written back then was different. Like, there was much more of an assumption that you aren't there for the trade paperback and every issue is your first. And so every issue has to introduce, like, oh, this is Booster Gold. Here's his powers. Oh, that's fire. Here's her power, you know. And and so, like, The Death of Superman as a story, as trade paperback, is not especially engaging because you keep being pulled out of it for explanations of shit you already know. And I think not in the same way, but, like, the same is true for movies in the 70s and 80s. The, the language of cinema was different back then. And a lot of the time, the language of cinema was more geared towards people who didn't understand cinema. Yeah. And so, like, in a lot of cases, everything feels very, like, spoon-fed to you. Yeah. And so, to me, something like, anytime something, whether it's Fletch, Back to the Future, Jaws, anytime anything kind of uh, more or less holds up without major updates. 
it's it's a remarkable achievement in a way that maybe they don't get credit for. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, like, as I kind of went on around earlier, but I mean, like, the 80s films, obviously, to different levels, have because problems. I mean, like, the... Um, <laughs> now all I can think of is Anne McDowell. Not Anne <laughs> McDowell. Help Gina me here. Davis. Gina Davis. <laughs> Gina Davis. I have to literally, like, I have a note here that says Anne McDowell. I have to cross it out. For Gina Christmas, Davis. <laughs> um, For Christmas, I'm going to send you a, a movie poster that the title is Along Came a Spider Named Anne McDowell. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. But anyway, but like the weird relationship between uh, Jeannie Davis, I mean, like the, the also kind of predatory nature of, um, of Fletch in this film is, would definitely be seen if it came out today. Like if it came out today without any sort of caveats would definitely be like, yeah, Ugh! like, and, and it's, and it's always hard to say whether that's like doubly so because it's Chevy chase and just because right. known is kind of a dick, <laughs> like, um, and I, I actually um, think that would offset it. I think the fact that Chevy is not is known as kind of a shitty guy. Yeah. It's like there would be no expectation that yeah. he's behaving. Yeah, I mean like although all the women in the film I think deal with it well, um, <laughs> other than the fact that they like fall for it, <laughs> which is like still like always like I know the I know it's the eighties, but Chevy Chase, really? <laughs> like <laughs> like especially when like all the women that he like flirts with are almost all like well not almost like all of them are like gorgeous in this film yeah. um like even you know not 80s gorgeous but like just gorgeous in the general um and and so it's just like one of those like really chevy chase even <laughs> then in 85 really okay um but you know it's but that that's like literally almost every single film made yeah. in like i mean every harrison ford film made after the year 2000 <laughs> like yeah. that year of the year 1990 you know where it's just like really like uh, she's uh 20 years younger okay okay sir um but but still like but still that's harrison ford and i feel like that's different than chevy chase but yeah, um, it's and the, the the closest comparison is like in 10 years we're going to be still seeing this with uh fucking zach braff or something and you're like no just no <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, Zach Braff, like, has, like, a like a friendly, awkward, you know, like, one of those sort of things where you're like, okay, I yeah. know women yeah. might like him sort of thing. But it is one of those just, like, Chevy Chase was, like, in the 80s was, like, I don't know who's Chevy Chase. Like, how else do you describe Chevy Chase other than Chevy Chase? But, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> that guy who's named after a city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the other way around. That's a question. But um, <laughs> when did Chevy Chase become a city? But uh, but yeah, it's like other than that, like I mean, there's you know, everything's kind of still relevant. It's like other than the fact, that, like the most I think the most ridiculous part of this entire film is the budget at which this like weekly newspaper has. You want to fly to Utah? Yeah, okay, yeah. Go see the go see the office. I mean, like, to be fair, to be fair, this was. A very different journalism environment than you and I yeah. exist in. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like even then, like even then, like even the mid '80s, like journalism wasn't like if this was like 
60s, 70s, maybe, or something like that. But, I mean, like, mid-80s, like, especially if this is, like, a weekly. Like, there's no weekly newspaper. Like, if this was, like, a big glossy magazine, like, oh, this is Newsweek. I mean, like, oh, you want to fly to Utah for this investigative? Go for it, sure. But, like, this is, this is at best, the L.A. Weekly, um, which is, like, the village voice equivalent in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know even their budget in the, in the, in the 80s wasn't fantastic because no one's budget in the 80s because it was in the middle of an economic slump. But it was just, like, it's always, <laughs> like, one of those, like, especially, like, when you compare it to, like, films like uh, Michael Keaton's The Paper. Um, yeah. And you're, like, <laughs> like the art amount of arguing about an office chair. And that's, like, what, seven years later? Like, I think that's, like, <laughs> yeah. mid-90s. Uh, and and you're like yeah no like as opposed to a random like probably thousand dollar air flight to like it wasn't like going from la to san francisco then i'd be like okay cool it was la to utah and he yeah. clearly stays there for like a fucking week or something too. <laughs> like, anyway that that's not the pu- it's fun funny, part i of a don't remember day. and again like this speaks to uh the, the the nature of the film where they wanted to yeah. get into the like the the master of disguise thing yeah. um i don't remember and i could be wrong but i don't remember him going to provo in the book i i, I remember him mostly making phone calls like here's the thing uh, a subplot from the book that gets dropped entirely in the movie is that fletch when he was younger because in in the book he had a like a backstory basically it doesn't exist in the film uh, and when he was younger he was in the military and he had earned a bronze star yeah and for one reason or another I don't remember if it was a political thing or if it was just a like for some reason Fletch didn't think that he deserved the bronze star but like once the military started calling to be like, Hey, we want to award you in this ceremony at the like local, whatever the paper pressured him into taking the, the, the bronze star. Yeah. And so like at the end of the mo- at the end of the book, excuse me, uh, there was a whole thing where it was like, he had stories that were overdue. He had an alimony payment that was overdue. He was supposed to go get his bronze star and there was some other thing. I think he was supposed to surrender himself to the court for uh, violation of his alimony. Like, but like there was four things that he was all supposed to do at like ten o'clock in the morning on Thursday yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and instead, he stole Alan Stanwyck's airline tickets and went to South America. And you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the Bronze Star thing that was that was set up in in the film, it, it, it's one of those like it gives you an extra like dimension of like shit that he's supposed to do that he never falls through on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't remember for the life of me what it was that I started me on the Brown star monologue. I feel like, it, I mean, it that didn't even feel sense. like the, the, like when he visited that couple, um, his, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so here's the thing. Um, so, uh, Stanwyck's parents, which again, I don't think in the book that he actually visited them physically, but he called a lot. Yeah. And he, he was like pretending to be an insurance adjuster or something and like checking yeah. on, you know, because the whole thing was he was pretending to be from the insurance company to make sure that Alan didn't have cancer. Yeah. And, uh, but he called and like Alan Stanwyck's dad was depicted as being old 
and kind of conservative. And he was basically like, somehow it came up in small talk that he was supposed to go accept a Bronze Star and he didn't want to. And Stanwick's father was like, no, you go do that. And like, if you don't want to have it, send it to me so that that way when you eventually come to your senses and you realize that this is a thing you missed out on, I can mail it back to you. <laughs> like, and, and, and like, that sounds bad, but no, it's like, it's just a thing of like, no, the Stanwicks are old and they're salt of the earth. And like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was like a whole subplot in the, in the movie or in the book that got cut out for the movie. And again, like I enjoy the hell out of the movie for what it is. But there's so many things where you're like, oh, that's right. Shit, I forgot the book had like 40 pages on this thing that is like a throwaway joke in the movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I, I, that, that seems like a really weird place to end, but do you have yeah, no. anything else to say? Yeah, no, no. Um, um, obviously, it's available on streaming uh, services, and uh, definitely is it, recommend is it. Streaming it. for free anywhere, or is it just? I like... haven't. I haven't seen it uh, streaming for free anywhere now. Fortunately, it's probably on Peacock or something because it's a Universal movie. Hold on, I'm. Uh... Both of us are typing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always good. There's a lot of good podcasting in this episode. <laughs> Oh man, and and my computer is ancient, so I I hit enter <laughs> like a minute and a half ago, and it's still going. Um, seems to be free on Crackle. Oh, um, neat. Uh, it might be free on Hulu. I think it's free on Hulu. Uh, let me see, because I have a Hulu account. Which good luck trying to find it on Hulu, because that's the way Hulu works. But um, yeah, holy cow, it's the worst. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it does. Um, nope. Uh, Realgood.com real says watch on Peacock. So let me head, if you head it over to, to Hulu, let me head to Peacock. <laughs> it does not, uh, because all of those websites that used to tell you whether or not stuff is streaming for free or not don't seem to work anymore. No, nope, um, because in the last, like, three months we've had Disney Plus and then HBO Max and then fucking Peacock. And now, how are you, unless you're, like, if if they were making more money than they previously had been, that would be worth updating. Nowadays, it's like no, we just fucking we're gonna we're gonna hold an illusion up that we have an idea of what's going on, yeah. <laughs> and then um, get those clicks, but, and that's about it. Uh, side note: uh, While I'm waiting for the internet to load, <laughs> um, the uh, the Brave New World adaptation on Peacock is really fucking good. Oh, cool. Um, I, I don't I, I think it's available on the free option, but the, the paid option for, like, paid with ads is, like, two ninety nine a month or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have to figure out which uh, which one I'm going to drop. Um, there has to be one that I'm going to drop, because right now I have Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, um, and I think there's one more. Um, there's a... Uh, things called Means TV that is uh, like a uh, a lefty news broadcasting yeah. thing. I mean, and, I'll uh, never drop um, Amazon because you get shipping. Prime for free with the Prime account where you get free shipping. Yeah, yeah. So until I stop buying stuff from them, which I know I shouldn't do because they're terrible. But yeah. at the same time, I'm incredibly lazy. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, um, also in the middle of a pandemic where half the shit is closed oh, and yeah. also like living in upstate New York where like, I don't know, where can I buy a Nikon Z6 battery and need it and to be able to need it two day in two days? Like, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. It's Amazon. But <laughs> all right. So uh, so Fletch. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fletch and Fletch Lives, which is the sequel, which is loosely based on, I want to say, Fletch and the Widow Bradley. Um, Again, there are 12 or something books, or no, 11 books, and most of them have nothing to do with these films. Uh, Fletch Lives is really not at all based on a book, but there are elements of the plot that come from, I want to say, either Karaoke Fletch or Fletch and the Widow Bradley. Anyway, uh, Fletch and Fletch Libs are both available to stream on Peacock. Uh, as far as I can tell, they are free with ads. However, because I have a paid account, that may be misleading. Uh, if you go to PeacockTV.com, you should be able to go and test for yourself. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a film in... I can't... Oh, what's the year? I can't see what year it is. But there's a film called Pure Luck. Starring hmm. Martin Short and Danny Glover. Interesting. <laughs> um, uh, that um, a, a daughter of a wealthy businessman has disappeared in Mexico, and all efforts to find her have been unsuccessful. A psychologist, hmm. knowing that the girl has an has ultra bad has an ultra bad luck, <laughs> persuades her father to send uh, send to Mexico one of his employees, an accountant with super bad luck. To find her, perhaps he will be able to be. He will be lucky, and his bad luck could help find the unlucky girl. All right, I'm sorry, so, it was one of those oh, like shit. I remember not this film. I've never seen it, but I remember the cover of this movie uh, from when I was in Emerald City. Now here's the thing. Um, no. Before we go, because yes. we we've we've said nothing about Fletch <laughs> um, in two and three quarters hours. Um, yep. uh, my my question for you: Who? What is your favorite uh, Chevy Chase film? Hmm. Um, that's hard. Um, whether it's whether it's Fletch itself, or literally have to like bring up as like. Uh, like Caddyshack is always like an easy one, but like every time I rewatch Caddyshack, I'm like, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't think it has, like, I, I love me some Rodney Dangerfield, but I don't, you know, and also like, I don't know. Is that, is that a Chevy Chase film? Yeah. You know, versus a film that has Chevy Chase in it. Um, I genuinely love three amigos and I love, um, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is my easy one would be like L.A. Story, which technically he's in it, <laughs> but he's yeah. uncredited as Carlo Christopher. Um, God, you know, like I always forget, like there's these weird ones that like I remember loving, like Memoirs of an Invisible Man. That's and... actually, that that's my answer. If it's really? not Fletch. Yeah. Um, and again, part of that is just that I'm looking for a starring vehicle. So like. Yeah. Three Amigos doesn't really count for me. Yeah. Um, Three Amigos is a masterpiece. I love that fucking movie. And and if I gun to my head, that would be the the thing. 
But like I, I loved, and again, I haven't watched it probably in 25 years. But uh, the idea of a Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah, Sam Neill movie directed by John Carpenter, you're just like, okay, you've got my attention. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I, I think uh, I, boringly, I may have to. Um, although, although the fact that Last Action Hero has Chevy Chase in it playing Chevy Chase is huh. vaguely tempting. Um, but I mean, like, God, I mean, like, without a rewatch of Nothing But Trouble mm. and to kind of like my remembrance as a, I'm trying to think, probably 14 year old is the last time I really genuinely watched it. Um, 14 or 15 year old, like, and loved it because of how, like, terrible and weird it was but uh yeah no i mean i think like actually also like watchable and good i probably have to agree with you on um memoirs um of an invisible man because um i never really liked the national lampoon like the vacation films and I, i i did i just like for whatever reason to me they don't quite like they aren't i don't know it's hard to explain why they don't track for me He's stressful in this in those films. Like honestly, that's one of the biggest things. Is like the other characters are other characters. Like whatever. Like none of them have much dialogue. None of them much have much personality or anything like that. They're stress points for him, and that's about it. You know. And yeah, it's kind of funny. As I think about it, he is Steve Carell's character in The Office. Yeah, like he's kind of surrounded by people who should be competent uh, enough to tell him to stop, yeah. but for whatever reason they don't. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, I and I think that's part of the reason why I don't like that show, <laughs> yeah. like at all, and I've never liked any version or incarnation of it, like you know, for more it, than like a meme or like maybe like watching it ten, for ten minutes. It's funny. Um, recently. I, I had the audiobook of uh, they did like an oral history from a, a guy who wrote for Entertainment Weekly or something, yep. and it was like dozens and dozens of interviews over ten years or something. And I, I listened to it on audiobook, and <clears throat> it made me really appreciate the show more. And then I watched it, and I'm like, nope, still don't care. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which I mean, to be to be fully honest, like I did love it when I was yeah. like 21, and then I just I got over it, and nothing has ever been able to convince me to go back. Yeah, um, it is <clears throat> it is definitely a show that um, I never really was that into, but what ended up happening was the internet killed it for me. Yeah, is that Reddit and all the world of like the goddamn obsessive compulsive this is the best show on planet and like (laughs) you know um like honestly is excuse me the things that i liked the least in the movie are the or in the show are the things that got the most popular yeah so like i loved the premise of like the mockumentary and the idea of all these regular people surrounded, like these regular people who are dealing with this idiot boss. Yeah. And so as the show aged and you got more and more characters who were super broad and super loud and super silly and super out of this world, 
And it's like, uh, I, I didn't care for Dwight. I didn't care for Andy. And, and, and I watched it for a while. I think I, I watched it for like seasons one through six and then I stopped and then I came back in the last season just to see it end. But like the things that for a lot of people are the best parts of that show have zero appeal to me. Cause I'm just like, no, I don't fucking like Andy was, or Dwight was already annoying. I don't fucking need Andy to come in and be annoying too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was, that was like when, especially considering you can see kind of the, show i mean also like i before i didn't i don't know what i was watching when it was it wasn't the show that i wanted to watch when it was on um or when it was big and then like any opportunity that i would have watched it again um after by that point like there had been a handful of those like okay so here's why um what's the main character not michael scott michael scott but the um guy from a quiet place <laughs> oh jim yeah, Jim. Like, here's why Jim is a terrible piece of shit sort of things. And I've, like, watched the clips, and then I've watched enough of the show, and I'm like, oh, shit, he is a horrible fucking piece of shit. And, like, <laughs> a handful of those have come across, and, like, and I've never liked, um, I have nothing against him in any way, shape, and form, but, um, what's his name? The annoying guy on the, sh- on the, on the, on the thing. Um, it, Rain Wilson, or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, like the, the, the thing that kills me is that Rain Wilson was there as the annoying guy. Yeah. And then they moderated him by giving us a more annoying guy in the third season, yeah. which was uh, uh, Ed Helms from yeah. uh, the, the actually, hey, full circle from the vacation reboot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's but it's it was one of those shows where it was just like I I I they 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 had too many cast members that they could change too many times and like and exactly what you're saying which is just like they could basically curate it to see what people were reacting to it and yeah. add more like I like Mindy Colling on that show I fucking hate her goddamn guts. Mm-hmm. Like not just as a character, but like I hate everything yeah. that she does. And it's just like, which is funny. One of the uh, things I didn't realize until I read, I, I was listening to that oral history. Hmm. She was one of the like main writers on the show. Yeah. So all the stuff that I hate about her character on the office, <laughs> like, no, she's like, she made those choices. It's not yeah, like yeah. she saddled with yeah. it. Yeah. That said, I fully want to fucking see her uh, either Broadway or off Broadway show. Do you know what? How she got hired on The Office? She was doing a show called uh, Ben and Matt. Okay. Where she and another woman of color played Affleck and Damon. And the premise of it was that, like, uh, they were getting stoned and a screenplay fell out of the sky and it was Goodwill Honey. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I. I- I, I want to see that so bad. <laughs> yeah, especially considering her film, uh, The Late Show, which I don't know if yeah. you've seen yet or not, is fucking fantastic. Like, it is genuinely good. It's it's It feels really, like, if you just watch a trailer, you're like, oh, this has been done, like, in yeah. different ways or whatever. But, like, it has, like, so many moments in it that, like, it's like, I, 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 think, I, I think that's one of those films that was, like, 
fuck it. I want to see this because it's something different. And I saw it in theaters. And I think I was like three people. There was like three people in the theater. Um, and I fucking goddamn loved it. Um, yeah. And like it's on Amazon Prime because it's an Amazon film. Um, but like, yeah. Anyway, so Fletch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So before yes. we get off on another tangent and I don't get to sleep before two because yeah. <laughs> I have to be up I have to be up with my wife at seven um, ah. so uh Fletch good um, yes. Fletch also good yes yeah. uh you should uh go see it at your local internet box yes <laughs> because that's the only choice Pe- now <laughs> Peacock TV yes. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm definitely sure worth the two ninety nine rental. Like, it, it's a classic. <laughs> and 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 I agree completely, but also am somehow sinusy, so I'm coughing nonstop, and I'm gonna <laughs> stop talking now. Uh, everybody, he's got uh, the COVID, guys. He's got the COVID. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell if I had the fever because it's like 107 degrees in this fucking office. <laughs> I know. Same here. Like when whenever we podcast, both of us have to turn off. I don't. Do you? You don't have AC in that room, do you? No, I have a I have a fan oh. which actually is still going, but only because I moved to my standing desk, which yes. is like 30 feet from the not 30, 15 yeah. feet from the fan. <laughs> yes, I have to turn <laughs> off my AC. I also live in like an attic um, yeah. <laughs> room, so. Yeah, no. So both of us are like progressively sweating and becoming wilted. So uh, flat. Yeah, my my uh, my hair, which I like shaved down with a uh, with the clippers because I know the the size of the blades that my hairstylist uses. Uh, now that it's super short, when I start to sweat, it immediately gets gross. So, so Fletch. <laughs> it's like you've been living out on the beach for weeks um and you haven't been bringing it around fletch um i give it a uh 8.5 out of 10 yeah i i'd probably about the same 8 out of 10 at 8.5 i i i probably like when i was a kid i would have given it a 9 yeah. 9.5 uh once i read the books and i was like oh there's a lot more here um it's like an 8 but yep. I try not to let that affect my judgment too much, except for the fact that, like, as we age, this movie also doesn't age well in some ways. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it the book rating on the spring, on the on the strength of, like, all the other shit. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. If nobody's still listening, there's literally no way. But, uh, uh, if, if you are still listening tweet at ecv underscore podcast we will buy you something <laughs> and uh we'll, quote the uh you can if you can say um camera man tv woman actually tripod. Here, here 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 give me a second i'll i'll tell you what you should say um uh, i can't remember what uh what this phrase is but i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up um of course it doesn't freaking come up on search um <laughs> something about a distant timpani <laughs> um uh I, I i on the on the director's commentary track for zero effect there's a phrase that he says and uh apparently that doesn't 
work <laughs> when you Google it, which is weird. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 this, was, this was a gigantic fail, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so okay. whatever it was that Zach said, which I'm yep. not ever going to remember, um, yep. tweet that at ECB underscore podcast. And yep. since it's a, a, a series of nonsense words, we will know <laughs> that you're listening. Yes. Uh, the, the, the first person who does it, likely, if there is a person, the only person, uh, will send you a copy of Fletch. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, and, and see if you if you go to Google and <laughs> okay, <Russ. laughs> uh, it's it's something along the lines of like the the sound of thunder is a distant is really a distant. <laughs> I was gonna say just make it a Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> reference; it'll be easier. But um... <laughs> hot, sweet, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is it they say uh backwards or under, under <laughs> uh, the, uh i mean that the, the, the big thing which is on <laughs> on my mask <laughs> yeah. if you the mask that i wear when i go out to the stores and shit yeah. it's uh josie and the pussycats is the best movie ever join the army <laughs> yeah. tweet that out and uh will uh your choice either a Tweet that to us, and your choice, uh, either a copy of Josie and the Pussycats uh, DVD or a Fletch DVD, your choice. Uh. (laughs) We should stop saying that because now we have two out there. And and, and if you follow ECB underscore podcast, I am going to tweet what the fucking thing is from Zero Effect because I know that when I'm sober, I can find it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening to this. Absolutely. This was insanity. a podcast about the movie <laughs> Fletch. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and 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 if you enjoyed this, you should listen to uh, Patrick Willems has a a podcast called the Infinity Podcast. I think it's called. No, um, no, don't don't send people over to listen to a podcast that's like well. <laughs> Like no, we but, already did that halfway through for Lindsay Ellis. Like people would be like, "Oh shit, she like spends time, scripts out her work, has videos along with it. Everything makes sense. It's logic. But, but here's and there's a whole arc, and it's only like forty minutes at times. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't go off in a thirty minute. She like I was just some like tangent she went off. She's like, I'm sorry about that tangent. And it was like. 45 seconds and it was relevant <laughs> as opposed to us were like listing off films. the filmography of M. Emmett Walsh yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> but that's you know like it's part of our character but uh but it also <laughs> actually forget everything we said before the thing that you can get uh the thing that you can tweet to get yeah. something is the filmography of M. Emmett Walsh <laughs> You don't have to tweet out the entire filmography, just no, that just the phrase. phrase. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, the 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 one of you. Thank you, Michelle, for listening. Um, I'm sorry, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Be back here by noon on the fifth day for more from Emerald City Video. Always remember to rewind the sets. The video is already late. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ian.